It's War Breaker Day! I can hardly believe that we've made it here. So exciting, deeply thrilling. Yes, today is the day that friend of the pod, Ted, comes onto our show and he, Emily, and I discuss War Breaker. Now, since we are only doing one episode for an entire book. This is not a comprehensive discussion. This is just us recording our little book club that we had and inviting you all in to join us. Because as much time as I would want to spend on this book, Emily is chomping at the bit to get to Words of Radiance. Uh, we've actually started recording our first couple episodes and I, I don't think any of them are edited yet, but they are coming. Whew. But first, we invite you to sit back, grab a drink and a snack, and enjoy this fun two-hour chat about <gasps> Warbreaker. Take it away, theme song! Thank you. It's got cat hair all over it. It's supposed to be a black hat. And Kenobi's like, this is where I live now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to My Sister Made Me View It, Megan's Choice Books Edition. Today, doing a super special on Warbreaker. And today, including a super special extra sibling, friend of the pod, today's honorary brother, Ted. Welcome, Ted. I am so excited to be here. We're so excited you're here too. We're very glad to have you. Uh, Ted, Emily and I know you as you are, as previously stated, a friend of the pod. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the Cosmere, how many books you've read, and how quickly you read them? Oh boy. Well, I had read, I think, the, the Mistborn trilogy, the... OG Mistborn trilogy uh, a couple of years ago and I like I liked it a lot uh, really loved parts of it some parts of it were kind of like meh and I knew that the Cosmere was a thing it was like out there and it felt like such a, a big commitment to get into especially a big unfinished series or set of series mm -hmm. especially having been burned by George R. R. Martin and, and other <laughs> similar writers in the past um, but I, uh, got to know Meg and Meg Ho was a, uh, a guest on an Animorphs podcast that I created or co-created and, um, joined us for the full run of the Everworld books on Animorphology. And as a result of that, I knew that you all were going to be doing a podcast about the way of Kings. And I picked up a copy and I listened to a couple of episodes and I was like, I cannot possibly wait for, you know, <laughs> over a year to pass, which is about how long it took you guys to get through the way of Kings. So <laughs> I read the way of Kings. And by the time I got to the end, Meg had let me know that I then had to read Warbreaker before going on to the rest of the Stormlight Archive. And then maybe I should read, Mistborn Era 2, and then I could read all of the, the whole short story collection, etc., etc. So I ended up going <laughs> to my local bookstore and picking up a stack of books, maybe three feet tall, 
and burned <laughs> through them in maybe like four months at the end of last year. Whoa. So I think I was reading Way of Kings when you guys started the podcast earlier in the summer. I was reading Warbreaker in, in August and September. I think I got through Rhythm of War um, maybe this like December, January uh, timeline. So it's basically nice. all I was doing in my free time was reading Branderson, Brandon Sanderson novels, and I loved it. A good, a good way to pass the time. And also, thank you for texting me all of your reactions. Yeah. That is what sustained me through the cold, dark winter I spent in Utah. If there's one thing <laughs> Brandon Sanderson is great at, it is getting reactions from me. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so as a heads up for our listeners, what we are... So we're going to stay unspoiled for the Stormlight Archive books that Emily hasn't read. But between the three of us, we have all read Elantris, though it's been a while for Emily. Mm -hmm. We've all read Mistborn, although it's been a while for Emily. (laughs) And now we've all (laughs) read Warbreaker, which Emily just finished. Um, Emily, I have to come clean to you right now. No, what happened? Remember when I said we were going to originally record on May 14th? Did you lie to me? (laughs) I did Ted, exactly this is lie. the person that I've had to live with my whole life. <laughs> what I first uh, told you, so that mad. was true. And then uh, two weeks went by and, and Ted was like, hey, I may have to reschedule. And I said, we can absolutely do that. I'm not going to tell Emily until she finishes the book. <laughs> because Emily, uh, if we were going to record on May 14th, what day did you actually sit down and read the whole book? I read the whole book. Hold on. Let me pull up my calendar just so I... 14th. So I read it the week before. I read it the Saturday before. Mm-hmm. Good job. Thank and you. I'm very proud of you. And then I told her, actually, Ted needed to reschedule. Because it was like three weeks where I'm like, you have to read Warbreaker. And you're like, I know, I will. When I get to it, I will. And I was like, okay, but you do have to read it before the due date. I did. Like, I've got time. And you did. And I'm so happy and i'm so excited so um i first read warbreaker time to be a hipster i read (laughs) warbreaker before it was published because in 2007 um just about when uh, brandon had been tapped to start the wheel of time he knew that people would be searching you know once he'd been announced as the the heir to robert jordan's legacy he knew that people would be searching for his name and like trying to find out who he was as a writer so he had already sold warbreaker to tour books but said hey i would like to publish it for free on my website and tours like no <laughs> and brandon's like okay but but yes actually and what he did is he published all of his drafts dated on his website and pointed out the changes he made between each draft. And it was sort of a way to show the incoming new Wheel of Time people, hey, this is how I write a book. This is the process that goes into it. This is a free sample of my writing. If you like what I write, you're going to, you know, you're still going to enjoy Wheel of Time. And also, why don't you check out these other books I've already published? <laughs> so I had a friend introduce me to Mistborn. The first two books were out. And then I read Elantris. And I'm like, what else? And he's like, oh, well, he has like this princess story on his website. And I was like, princess? No. <laughs> uh, so this friend actually poo-pooed warbreaker to my memory not not like it was a bad book but he was just like oh 
you know, it's not my favorite. And then I read it and I'm like, this is my favorite. And then as the Cosmere ended up opening up and as more books got published, uh, I would say I got vindicated in my love for Warbreaker, which was a nice feeling. (laughs) Um, So this was also my first step into bookbinding because I wanted people to read this book. But they're like, what? Sit at a computer and read a book? This was 2007. It was unthinkable. Plus, we didn't have, like, Kindles yet. Right. So I actually printed out copies of this book in packets of about five to ten chapters at a time. And I circulated them among my marching band friends. (laughs) Okay, this person has packet one. As soon as they're done, I'm going to give it to person B, and I'll give them packet two. And I ended up getting, I want to say, four people to read Warbreaker in my little printed almost like a zine where I like carefully I did the pages in like publication order so I could hamburger fold them and staple them down the side. I'm starting to see uh, the origin of your uh <laughs> made me view it superpower here. Yeah, yeah. I have incredible taste and everyone should only watch what I recommend <laughs> them. Um but today as we're going through I will be using my very beautiful leather bound <gasps> copy of Warbreaker. That's gorgeous, Meg. Is that a uh, nightblood on the cover I see? That is a nightblood on the cover. <laughs> I I ended up getting almost a full set of the leatherbacks. No, that's a turtle. <laughs> the leatherbound books. Um as a gift from Team Dragonsteel when I got to visit headquarters back in 2019. Cool. So I got the first two Mistborns and Warbreaker and Elantris. Wait, no, I bought Warbreaker. I got the first two Mistborns. I got the first two Mistborns and Elantris free. Warbreaker wasn't out yet, but I bought it because I did get to see some of the beautiful interior illustrations, which I'm holding up for. Oh, Whoa. I didn't know there was official Warbreaker art. Okay. That is gorgeous. Uh, Ted, I'll bring it when I come to your wedding. Yes, thank you. Oh, yes. And Congratulations. I'm excited it. to meet you in real life, in real person. I know. I know, Emily. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, uh, first impressions of Warbreaker. Emily, go. Okay. So... I have to be honest because I came into it with it a little with a little bit of a bad attitude because I wanted to bring I wanted to bring I wanted to read uh, Words of Radiance and I didn't want to stop and read another Brandon book. That's I just totally wanted understandable. to get to Words of Radiance. And so I was like So I was just like, I'll just read it all at once and get it over with. Um it was very well done. It was very well done. I loved the sister the sister portion of the book, I loved. I loved how different the two sisters were, and I feel I don't know if Brandon has sisters. I don't know if Brandon has siblings, but I feel like a lot of times when I'm watching something or reading something, sometimes you can tell you have no sibling experience. You have no no way to judge how siblings are or whatever. And I, I felt like he did a pretty good job of writing them so differently that it's even though they come mm-hmm. from the same family. That they have two very different, um, they're two very different characters, two very different goals. I I loved the two different viewpoints the sisters brought to the table. I thought that was super well done. 
in high school, and I'm not going to say this is how it is now, (laughs) but in high school, I very much felt like I was Siri and maybe you and Lauren were Vivea a little bit. A little bit. I think that's how all younger sisters feel. It's very relatable. Uh, Brandon does have siblings, though. Uh, Ted, as you were blazing through the Cosmere at the speed of light, what were your first impressions on Warbreaker? Well, I actually went back to look at the messages I sent you that you mentioned earlier so that I would have a less (laughs) biased version of Mm -hmm, my mm -hmm. impressions, which I have, you know, been been reflecting on this week as well. Um, I loved it. I also thought the characters in this... Uh, are great i really like Mm -hmm. everyone even when i even when they're being super annoying like vivenna through the first three quarters of the book yes um (laughs) i am obsessed with nightblood nightblood did nothing wrong (laughs) uh this was i'd say warbreaker cost me my first like real brandon sanderson heartache when i googled like where are the other nalthus stories and books and I found out oh, that yeah. there is a sequel to Warbreaker, TBD, maybe will never happen. Earliest it would happen is the year, like, 2030. Um, yeah. So I liked it enough that, like, the whole world and everything, that, that it's the first one that kind of broke my heart. I do, like, feel like, despite me love it, like, the stuff that I love in this is awesome. The ending is, like, kind of rushed. And, like, there's so many more unanswered questions than yes. I feel like I got yeah. from Mistborn or even, like the first two or three Stormlight books that it's like, it's very frustrating when I think about that. Um, I kept, I kept wondering if I'd missed the climax of the book because I was getting closer and closer to the end and the pages were getting shorter and shorter, shorter. And like, I'm like, did I miss something really big? And this is the wrap up. Like I was very confused for a minute until I realized like, Oh, it kind of just ends before we get like a big resolution, not a big resolution, but, um, you know yeah it's like pretty literal deus ex machina right like it's like he just you know vasher kind of solves everything spoilers yeah and uh a lot of the big final battle happens off screen yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where it's like oh yeah we just we sent this army of statues to go fight right and it it turned out okay actually right it'll be fine (laughs) we assume or maybe it says it was fine i don't remember yeah yes yeah um i agree with you that i think the plot in this Sandra Lanch was very rushed. I am happy with how the character stuff turned out. Yes, 100%. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And I'd um, say Light Song and... is one of the biggest character payoffs of the whole cosmos. Yes. I, I'm a huge fan of that. When I when I finally called... Okay, I don't know if we're getting into the plot yet, but when I finally called Megan and told her I read this, she goes, oh, did Brandon kill off a main character again? <laughs> I was like, yes! <laughs> keeps doing this to me uh but again it's it's the whole tn thing where i think it's a he's a checkoff's returned because we find out at the very beginning of the book that the only way a returned can die is well sorry not the only way but a returned can definitely die if they give up all of their breaths by choice and we have this very emperor kuzco style character (laughs) to start out with uh, and I love Light Song's turn by the end of the book where he finds a cause that he would be willing to give up his second life for. Yes, I thought that was 
I loved his characterization. Brandon does beautifully a characterization, very character driven. I think a lot of authors re- rely heavily on the plot will keep people interested. And for me, the plot is okay in Brandon's books. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great plot, but I always read it for the characters. I always want to know what the characters are going to do next, just because he's written such vivid and alive you know, people that I'm just like, I 100% believe that this is happening, even though it's just on pieces of paper. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Meg, what about you? What what was your first impression? I, that was, how old were you? (laughs) Yeah, how old were you? Let's see, if it was 2007, and right now it's 2022, I would have been 17, 16 or 17. Mm -hmm. So almost half my life ago. Uh, I really loved it. I The imagery that stuck out to me the most was when the, the servants were able to bring matching furniture for whatever room Siri was in. Oh, yeah. I love everything in the palace. I read it as a, as a Beauty and the Beast story mm, um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just obviously quite enjoyed myself because that was one of the things I was obsessed with in high school. Uh, I actually missed everything about all the statues through the city whenever they mention like monuments to you know peace giver or such whatever um i was thinking like actual little monolith monuments like mini uh (laughs) washington's monuments (laughs) and so when they're like they come to life i'm like how they're plinths and i'm like oh oh they're people (laughs) um i I remember reading it wishing that the magic was more based on color. That, like, if, you know, the way how uh, Mistborn is very, like, this particular metal gives you this particular power. Um, that I know the breaths, like, bleed the color out of everything around oh, them. And right. I, I remember wishing that, like, red would be for reviving things or, like, blue would, like, give, you know, something a specific effect. But... I realize that that puts even more elements to an already complex magic system. That's so interesting uh, because the, we'll get into it later, but the color does matter for the hair thing, but it doesn't matter yes. for like awakening. That's super. That's a really interesting thing to think about. So if I were in charge of adopting <laughs> Warbreaker for the screen, a <laughs> dream which I still have not yet given up, uh... I would, it wouldn't be part of the magic system, but I would definitely, in our color design of the show, like, make sure to, you know, push and pull specific tones and specific scenes. Uh, I was also a huge fan of of Nightblood. (laughs) I love inanimate or inhuman characters that want to learn about emotions. And one of the things that's so great about Nightblood is he doesn't learn. Right. Right? He's Mm -hmm. sort of like, he's sort of like a child and he doesn't understand what he's doing. Uh, how big do we want to get into Word of Brandon Cosmere spoiler stuff? And Emily, I'm going to let you. I mean, I would like to know stuff, but as long as it doesn't give anything away for Way of Kings, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I would be very interested in, in learning more. Yeah. Um. So this is, okay, if you're a listener and you're tuning in, this is going to be, like I said, full spoilers for lots of generalized Cosmere stuff. Um, what we know about how Nightblood was made is that 
you know, Vasher and his four pals, his like five man band, they're actually world hoppers. And Emily. Is that who n- Hoyt is friends with? No. Oh. oh, but Emily, did you see Hoyd I in this book? Did. Okay, it's really easy when his name is Hoyd. I mean. <laughs> it is very easy when his name is Hoyd. He's an um, old man with a beard. <laughs> no. No. I am Hoyt. He's an old man without a beard. <laughs> I, know. I, I Okay, clocked, I was going to. That Ted, scene I'm was so fun, glad. though, because there's other Cosmere stuff when Hoyt shows up. His yeah. sand mm-hmm. thing. That was uh, that mm-hmm. was very cool to see. I'm so glad you brought up that his he specifically says his name is Hoyt because it got me mad all over again. <laughs> that, like, it's supposed to be a helpful hint. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, so this book came out several years before The Way of Kings. And as Ted has pointed out, the sequel to this book hasn't come out yet. So we haven't learned more about Vasher and his pal of group of friends. Yeah. Who we... Denth was in this book and sadly got killed off. R.I.P. Denth. Uh, that was a great duel. I loved that mm-hmm. duel. Um, and Vasher and... What's her name? <laughs> what is her name? The the girl. Vivenna or the one? Nope, the one not that they're Vivenna. hunting. Um, like there's like Yasteel and Arsteel. Yeah, so Yasteel and Arsteel, and then the woman that Vasher killed. Oh, like Shashara oh, uh, or Night Shoshana or, or Shashara. something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so those five are world hoppers, and they've been around the Cosmere, and so Emily mm-hmm. Nightblood is a failed attempt at creating a shard blade. Oh, because it felt like it was an experiment gone wrong, but I didn't know it was a mm-hmm. shard blade gone wrong. So, okay, yeah. do shard blades talk to people or was this just like something do that they? really went I don't wrong? Know. Okay. <laughs> now that you've read Warbreaker, we can read Words of Radiance and maybe Thank find out. Oh, y'all, I've, I've amended Rafo to Rowefo <laughs> and... Uh, every time Emily was like, can we start, like, does this happen in Words of Radiance? Does such and such happen in Words of Radiance? And I'm like, Rowefo. And she's like, what does that mean? And I said, read Warbreaker and then find out. So Amazing. She's so smug. Um, I am. I Listen, I couldn't find my Rayfo shirt. I was going to wear it for this podcast. So instead I settled for the most bright fluorescent orange I could wear. I feel the people of Halindrin would appreciate that. <laughs> Plot-wise. Oh, first we're going to start with the... Dedication to the book, which is tradition on our podcast. And Emily, who to whom is this book dedicated? This book is dedicated to... Hold on. Oh, it says for Emily, who said yes. Aww. And that says... To doing a podcast with her sister. Yes. <laughs> I went back in time and I'm like, listen, Brandon, here's what's going to go down in about 14 years. Let's be really meta about this. <laughs> So, uh, Emily, this is the book that I referenced to you when we were doing our episode zero of Way of Kings that Brandon wanted to propose to his wife, his future wife, in the dedication of a book. Mm -hmm. Um, And eventually uh, he decided not to do that. Um, And he... Although, I got this. Brandon was writing this book while he and Emily were dating. And he proposed to her while in the middle of it. And he worked on it. And he even took it after their wedding on their honeymoon to Hawaii. Although he didn't obviously get any writing done on it then. Um, So 
he did propose to her with a poem that he's like, I'm going to use it in the Alcatraz versus the Evil Librarians dedication. And she's like, no, actually, thank you. Um, so eventually he asked, would you mind if I dedicated Warbreaker to her? I'm getting a lot of information from the full annotations Brandon did of this book that are also on his website alongside the all the different copies, uh, drafts of this book. Uh, so when they got married, he commissioned a huge batch of swords inscribed with names from the book and gave them out as gifts to his closest friends the wedding. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and Emily's sword was inscribed with Light Song. Oh. Mm -hmm. Love that. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Light Song, you will be missed. You were the best detective I ever knew. <laughs> Uh, let's dive into talking a bit about the characters. So, uh, I love the switcheroo at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I do think Vavena and Ciri's father may win for second worst father in the Cosmere, only just behind Eland Venture's dad. <laughs> uh, but we have these, these two sisters one of which was raised for a specific destiny her whole life, and the other who suddenly finds destiny thrust upon her. Mm -hmm. uh, beginning of the book, who did you like better? And end of the book, did your opinions change? Hmm. I mean, uh, Vivenna sucks so much at the beginning. <laughs> the only does. redeeming quality she has is that she cares about her sister, right? Like, like yeah. it's it's... It's such a strong start to her character being like, oh, well, from Siri's perspective, she's kind of no fun. And, you know, she's like meant to be holding this role for her kingdom. And she's like willing to sacrifice all of that to save her sister, which is yeah. um, kind of awesome. But she's really judgy of everyone that she sees. I was she's so all like stuck up about the fun colors and things. Yeah. I was surprised about that. If she was being raised specifically for this one purpose... I feel like she would have been a terrible fit had she actually yeah. gone and done what she was supposed to do. And I felt that was that was a weird a weird choice for her character in that you're supposed to be the one that solves all our problems, but I don't think she could have done She's it. She's so inflexible. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I actually, Emily, you bring up a great point that she was raised for one purpose, but she was raised by people who had these same prejudices and these same you know hatreds that she's she's being raised to be apolitical to like bring the two nations together and really she's ended up being kind of like indoctrinated by the um the viewpoints of her family and her courtiers and while siri who never paid attention in school and ran around uh doesn't have the same prejudices so emily i think you're absolutely right that vavena would have failed because as prepared as she was for like the economic and the political as we see when she gets thrown into the city she doesn't know anything mm -hmm. about the cultural like she has zero cultural sensitivity does. <laughs> yeah. and i loved i love stories where people get thrown into situations where they have no prep no no way to deal with what's going on like buffy the vampire slayer all of a sudden she's the vampire slayer or captain america waking up 70 years in the future like i love stories like that so when siri kind of gets thrown into this world where like she's she kind of thinks that 
she's like she kind of knows what she's supposed to do but has never really had the chance to practice it or anything like that i loved her Mm -hmm. i loved her from the beginning i just thought she was great so uh with siri we get a very typical uh fairy tale princess story Mm -hmm. which is usually that and and i'm gonna say typical when it comes to especially disney movies i realize that there are exceptions um but that she is good and sweet and kind and nice Mm mm-hmm and it's the people around her who have to learn to change and like open their mm. hearts and and receive the you know the Disney princess magic and love that she's willing <clears> to <throat> spread. And it's very rare that we have a female character like Vivenna who has such glaring character flaws that she herself must overcome in order to like complete the story because i mean that's Beauty and the beast point. it's the beast's heart that has to change ariel it's king triton's heart that has to change that usually it's the the men or authority figures you know because in, in brave it's her mom that that sort of has to change um around the the characters and i really like that siri is about changing the world she sent into and vivenna is really about like learning who she herself is and bring herself yeah that let's jump over to the returned the people in halandron uh hello light song hello light song love of my life (laughs) oh so light up my heart is there a word of brandon that has says anything about like if these are similar to what happens in elantris Emily, Ooh. that is so amazing that you bring that up. Okay. Because he started writing this book because he wanted to have magic turn people into gods, which he did sort of in Elantris. Mm-hmm. However, they had lost all of their powers. And so when he was brainstorming the magic system for Warbreaker, um, that was one of the things that he really wanted to do was to have living gods and he says how tall they are megan he (laughs) says how tall they are and i was they're very tall (laughs) so still shorter than kaladin but still pretty tall (laughs) uh emily did you so you spotted a bit of a similarity between Elantris and here mm-hmm. but now that we're on it I want to ask you now Emily what do you know about why do each of the worlds in the Cosmere have such different magic systems um oh my gosh you know to be honest I hadn't really thought of that but at first I'm just like oh it's because Brandon needs every world to be different just so like the stories are interesting but if it's the overall arcing Cosmere I would think it's like Everyone has something very specific to contribute Mm -hmm. to the overarching story, whether it's, you know, soldiers or this magic system or, you know, these weapons or whatever. Ooh, I don't know. Is there a word of Brandon that that specifically says why? There is, but I'm not going to tell you. Oh, no. Uh, Because... You don't need to worry because this, the Stormlight Archive books has has it all. Like... Oh, okay. Okay. There are there are nerdy uh, characters in the Stormlight Archive books who will ask these questions and get some answers. Yes, thank you. So it's really funny because I, uh, I you know started reading the books pretty early. I got into Brandon stuff maybe three or four years after he started publishing, and so I would read like all the interviews and when you go to release parties. And there's great website called the Coppermind that has archived 
all of the words of Brandon for like the last 15 years. And so I would come into these books with all of this outside knowledge. So like when uh, Emily in book one, when uh, Hoyd and Dalinar are talking at the feast and you're just so mad about <laughs> Hoyd even telling Dalinar his name. Yes. Uh, do you remember what word he asks him in that scene? Uh, anal- analsium? Uh, no. It was? Really close. Yeah. Adenalsium. Okay. I knew what adenalsium was. It hadn't been in any of the books, but we talked about it at release parties and like fan theories and everything. So like it wasn't until we got to Rhythm of War that now new stuff is being introduced that I didn't know about before going into Way of Kings. (laughs) That's so cool. So I'm always like, sometimes you ask me a question, I'll be like, oh yeah, the answer to that is outside the book. (laughs) So uh, please keep an eye on that as we get into Words or Radio. I will do so. Like Ted said, uh things start to kick off um, um maybe this is a tangent and maybe you can cut it if you need to but has brandon ever said like when he decided oh i'm going to write like a sandbox universe that like all my books go into was it something he set out to do or something like along the way he was like hey you know it'd be really cool ted do you want to take it or was that not oh my understanding is that that's his vision he's he like at some point Mm -hmm. i don't remember the number but he said like i have 32 or 36 books in mind and it'll you know four generations of mistborn and stormlight and there's gonna be a hoid back origin story you know like he sort of has this whole vision um and part of his Mm -hmm. you know it's predicated on him being super successful which thankfully he has been uh Mm -hmm. but part of his yearly blog post is like so you know i'm about 28 percent through the cosmere and i will be finishing it in the year 2065 and so here's how i'm gonna make it happen and he sort of tweaks tweaks his plans oh that's Um, yeah so meg can fill in the details uh emily there is a book and if you go to the byu library you can find it but you're not allowed to and it is the Forbidden earliest knowledge. version of the way. It is the earliest version of the Way of Kings that he wrote while he was in college. That was his like master's uh, thesis because um, he got an MFA in creative writing, mm-hmm. and so you can uh, instead of writing a thesis paper, you can do a thesis project. And so it's it's in the BYU library. That's so cool. I've touched it. I didn't crack it open though because I didn't want spoilers. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure in that version, Kaladin is a farmer. And his name is not Kaladin. It's something else. And also, Seth's character is very different and also named something else. Okay. But um, that he definitely wanted, like Ted said, he went into this planning it. And so he wrote a lot of books before he was published. Uh, I think he wrote something like 12 or 14 different novels before he got Elantris accepted by a publisher. And it wasn't that he's had the entire... Cosmere perfectly planned out since the beginning. He has highlighted moments. So, like when he came into Warbreaker, um, Light Song's death was one of the very first scenes that he had imagined. Okay. I think it was like Vasher revealing who he was and Light Song's death were like the two tent poles that he definitely had planted in the ground before he started writing this book. Mm-hmm. Um, but as indicated by the presence of Hoyd in Elantris and Mistborn and Warbreaker, he did have plans to connect them. Um, and he has talked about how fans sort of tweaked early to what he was doing because they're like, 
this Hoyt guy? <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> um, and people started connecting things between the books. And so uh, Way of Kings, the Stormlight Archives, was supposed to be the reveal that everything's connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cosmere fans are smart. Talk, smart and talk to each other. <laughs> and uh, it's very much L plus R equals J uh-huh. sort of a deal. Right. Um, except Brandon like leaned into it and he started opening up his world building stuff more and more and more, which uh, you'll see in the books, I think published after he got into the Wheel of Time because also his popularity shot up because he did such a, an excellent job closing off right. the Wheel of Time mm-hmm. um, that he's he's really leaned into it, which has been nice to now that you read things and you're like, that's from Malthus. That's from this place. That's really cool. While we're on the general Cosmere-y, uh Ted, do you have a favorite Cosmere world? Ooh, a favorite Cosmere world. I mean, I uh, it's it feels so basic to say this, but Roshar is so great because of the mm-hmm. the the whole idea of Spren and like how they are both a natural force and like an emotional force, and how they're like yeah. they manifest in these different ways is so rich, mm-hmm. and so the um, that whole aspect of the world is very exciting i think like i said before i really like um this planet that we're on in warbreaker and yeah i feel like there's so much left to be done with like even just like what is society like for people who are not that important in this world mm-hmm. and like what are the, what's the cool stuff that they do with color and sound if they manage to accumulate enough breaths to uh get to another heightening like all of that oh, stuff yeah. I'm, like, super into and want to know more about. And presumably there are other um, there are other places on the planet besides Idris and Halandran. And they probably have little different flavors of this whole awakening system. So I feel like this is the place. Like, I, I've, I've uh, tasted a lot of what Roshar has to offer. So I think maybe, mm-hmm. like, Stormlight-style interludes, but set in Halandran and, like, other places, that would be what I would want to read. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. I love that idea of, like, interludes. I bet that's coming in the second <laughs> set of Stormlight books. Interludes, on, interludes other on other worlds. That would be so... Yeah. I would love that. Because, like, I just want to know, uh, what, like, a, what is it like to be... A sort of like normal person in Halandrin. Like we're very much because it's a, it is a princess story. It's a princess and god story. So it's like it's yeah. about all these important people. And one of the fun things about Stormlight is you get kind of the full range of society. Well, because mm-hmm. at one point, let me uh, hold on. I just found it. Uh, like Light Song talks about a place called Idris. Wonderful place. Lots of ice. Costs quite a bit to bring it here. So I've heard. Like we get to hear like just tiny 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 bits about the world and i'm just like give me give me more keep talking about it i want to know it's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um emily i have a word of brandon that uh totally hits what you asked me earlier mm-hmm. this is from july 2009 this is an interview uh done at barnes and noble nice um and the question was you've created some fantastic original and well thought out magic systems where did you get the inspiration for the metal-based system of Mistborn and the breath-based system of Warbreaker? Um, so this is this is getting more specific into the actual color and breath stuff. 
So for Warbreaker, he was looking for something more of a Renaissance era feel, and so I extrapolated from the early belief that similarities created bonds. In this case, you could affect an object by creating a bond between it and yourself, taking on a semblance of your life. Moving beyond that was the idea of color as life. When a person dies, their color drains from them. The same thing happens when plants die. Vibrant color is a sign of life itself. And so I worked with this metaphor and the concept of breath as life to develop the magic. Uh, so I really, I love the idea of heightenings and just like how many breaths it takes to get to each heightening. Of the powers that are granted through heightenings, uh, do any of you have a power that you wish you could have? I love the perfect pitch. I yeah. Mm, I my pitch is okay, but if I could have perfect pitch, I just feel like I would I would love that. Yeah, I'm I'm a singer. It would make things so much easier. I'd have to practice so much, so much less. Yes. <laughs> well. Congratulations, that is only the second heightening, and so you don't yeah, need but, that many Okay, breaths. but it's so it's so messed up, because I basically have to steal the souls of a hundred other people, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, so this leads into the morality of breaths. Mm-hmm. So Vivenna is like, this is horrible, this is disgusting, this is literally the worst thing that could ever happen, mm-hmm. but she's interacting with Jewel, who herself is a drab. So, what circumstance, basically, what would you sell your breath for? Right. Right. I was thinking that because, okay, I also find it very unfair that if you have, like, a bunch of breath and you die, the breath just, like, it doesn't go back to its original owner. And I guess that is a great way to keep people from going after someone who has their breath and killing them. Like, but I found it supremely unfair that... I just found it unfair. It's fine. It's a great it's a great storytelling thing, but <laughs> it's fine. It's just not fair. <laughs> but I don't know, like I mean I would hope I would be I would be unselfish enough that if like I needed money for like to save someone, I would mm-hmm. do it. But at the same time, I don't I don't know. I don't know that I would be selfless enough to go through the rest of my life as a drab. I don't know. I, I don't know. I I don't think I would give it to a returned, but I would sell it for anything the moment I'm mildly inconvenienced. <laughs> like I'd sell my I'd sell my breath to Satan for one corn chip. <laughs> but uh because the way I see it is oh I'll just buy another one someday. I don't know that the original breath is what is as important if you could someday get one from someone else. Oh, no, that's I didn't true. Realize- it makes sense as currency. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I thought that if you were a drab, you could not ever get a breath back. Oh, if you could, <clears> then <throat> maybe maybe I wouldn't be so. Because <laughs> that's like what so Vivenna, yeah, that's what she does when she needs to hide. She that's right. She that's right. becomes temporarily drab. But she has all of them, and they belong to her. Yeah. But which one was her original one, and does she ever spend her original one while she's awakening? Mm. So this is kind of the difference between the people from Idris, where Vivenna and uh, Siri are from, and then Hallandrin that they move to, is the people in Hallandrin are like, well, yeah, you 
you know, their their current, like Ted said, their currency. We like buy them and sell them. They move around through society. Sometimes you like gather up a lot, and sometimes you don't have one. And then, um, in the religion in which Vivenna and Siri grew up, is very much like, no, this is my actual soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is is an interesting way to show how two different societies can see the same aspect of life on their world in a completely different manner. Yeah. But and also the returns, like they have these like special. It's like special it's like dress. if millionaires had like a magical coin that was their million dollars, <laughs> and but if someone ever took it from them, they would die. Like you know, like it's it doesn't quite it doesn't quite track as currency. Wow, Ted, are you saying that uh, millionaires could affect uh, millionaires could save people's lives if they would just willingly give up their money instead of just sitting on this treasure forever and never parting. Well, no, it's actually much easier because they could give up a small portion of it because it's infinitely dividable and they wouldn't die, which is, I think, what millionaires are afraid of. Uh, Emily, Ted, if you were returned, what sort of circumstance would you be waiting for before giving up your breath to someone? Oh. I don't know. I was, I couldn't believe Light Song would sit through that every single time because, like, I feel like I'm pretty empathetic and, like, I I don't know that I could wait until the right moment. I would feel like any sob story might get me, you know? (laughs) I don't think I'd last very long as a return. Harry Hardknock or Sally Sob Story (laughs) that comes to your temple. (laughs) So. Ted, what do you think? I don't know. It's it's I feel like it would be so hard to be that selfless in the like so one of the one of the really interesting things about Light Song's decision is that um when he does it, he has this really intuitive moment where he's like, oh, this is why, you know, Mm -hmm. like he sort of believes that it's his destiny. And like, I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. think, you know, he called this shot. Like he was returned for one reason and one reason alone. Like I I sort of think it more as like, he's been on this journey of trying to understand what's going on with his divinity. And suddenly he's like, oh, I can help. I can, I can do Mm -hmm. something. And then he's willing to make that sacrifice. But that's, that's so different from being in a room where you have all these people coming to you and it's like your task is, well, choose the best one. Who is the most worthy out of all of the yeah. horrible mm-hmm. things going on in the world? And that's such a paralyzing thing to do. I feel like I've, you know, I, it would be, it, it's so, it'd be so hard to pick the best one. Um, because so. I, Ted, along those lines, I feel like as well is if you had the ability to change someone's life, like, do you just, pick someone whose life you could change or do you wait for that moment of Blair light song is like oh this is my moment like yeah where do you where where's the most good like do you do the most good for this one person or do you wait for like a light song moment where this i could do this good thing also that will help a lot of other like and in his life the first time he died in sacrificing himself, he does it for someone who he loves, who's in his family. And like Light Song as a Returned mm-hmm. is completely disconnected. You know, he he doesn't realize that his his family has been around him this whole time because of mm-hmm. how messed up their system is. But he's like, he sort of has no earthly connections. And that's what would motivate me to make that kind of sacrifice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And uh, Light Song does mention that one of the one of the returned, um, while she hasn't given her breath away, she does give of her riches to people that need it. So while she doesn't save, you know, all the lives that come to her, she does, uh, like, uh, charity, philanthropy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was it? Was it All Mother? Was that her name? That's Sounds one right. of the characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because because she has a. She has one of the security codes. <laughs> well, yeah, and this is one. So I, yeah, the breath, the economy of breath thing is like super interesting, and it's also the. I mean, we haven't really mentioned it, but like the system that the priesthood has set up, where like, the returned are taking one breath a week, um, and they're sort of keeping it secret. Like what Vasher knows is that returned don't have to give away all of their breaths at once and even though they have to eat one breath a week they they as long as they build up a reserve they can survive for a while so like a lot of the restrictions placed on them are like super artificial but the uh like siri and uh suzebron at the end are definitely like we sort of like them and believe that they are enlightened rulers, but I, there's not really like a path forward to see, are they really going to change the society and like this mm-hmm. system where the returned yeah. like live in the city on this pedestal? Like, I'm very curious what other ways of managing breaths other than like the caste system where there are drabs and there are normal people and there are like rich people mm-hmm. who are heightened. And then there are the gods, like what else uh, could exist in the future mm-hmm. of this world? It's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I agree with you, Ted, that the doesn't seem like they're going to change the world very much. That it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a kid and they're going to be the next God King. Definitely for sure. Um, <laughs> Which is unusual for Brandon, actually. Right. Because I feel like like Mistborn is like every like society is destroyed. Spoilers for Mistborn. Um, we've all read it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then like like uh, Stormlight is very much thematically about like the caste system and like it really gets into that you know like the kaladin versus dalinar dynamic of like we both love them but based on their experiences in society they're never totally going to see eye to eye on the light eyes and dark eyes of it all mm-hmm. um and that mm-hmm. yeah doesn't really come up here um the story's about it's, different stuff it's- I feel it's interesting because this the system in this world is almost set up as anyone can make it. And that's kind of like yeah. the basis of it is like anyone can make it. You just have to you just have to either be rich or, you know, be lucky and, you know, I I found that really interesting rather than cuz there is that that caste system, but it's also you can move around, but you can also uh lose it all in, in a minute, you know. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah um <laughs> listen if everyone dies which means everyone has the chance to be a return yeah. <laughs> uh my first time through i almost thought this was going to turn out to be a science fiction book because of the fact they called it biochromatic Bio-chroma. breath yeah and i'm like that just putting the word bio in front of something 
just makes it sound sci-fi to me. I also love that scene when Vasher, like, he's like this scraggly, like, sort of Seth-esque, you know, like, disgruntled Mm -hmm. assassin type. And then he and Viven are hanging out. He's like, well, actually, there are four types of, like, magical things. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you, like, a little lecture about all these things. And I was like, oh, my God, this is, you know, (laughs) to him, it's science, right? Which totally makes sense. Yeah. Ugh. Emily, how old is Vasher? He's, he's hella old. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) This Vasher is old. Very old. <laughs> Full of anger. <laughs> so, okay, wait. Before we go off of Light Song, what mm-hmm. other uh-huh. Cosmere characters does he remind you guys of, if any? Light Song reminds me of <laughs> if Kelsier wasn't absolutely off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I was going in a different direction, but yeah, tell me more. Were you thinking Kaladin? I was thinking Sazed. To, to me... Oh, it's a oh, thing that I think Brandon loves to do, and I'm curious if he's going to do it with someone like Shalon or, or uh, Yasna in Stormlight. This, like, someone who's very skeptical and then comes around to sort of accepting divinity or that there's more going on, right? Sazed has kind of, he's a believer, and then he has a, a low point, and then more spoilers, mm-hmm. I won't totally get into it, but he changes his mind. And it's similar to Light Song's, like, coming to this realization at the end. So I feel like, I I feel like that's a common theme Brandon likes. And I also like that he'll take the every man and elevate them. And like, again, uh, send them into, you know, here's a situation that you have no idea what to do. And, and will you do better than the other people who know what they're doing? Sort of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And And so, unlike Siri and Vivenna, light song is just a normal dude who got returned. Like we mm -hmm. learned that definitively, which is very cool. Yeah, I like that people can't plan on being returned. Like, it's just kind of this Mm -hmm. luck of the draw, whatever sort of a thing. And I really like that that Brandon sets that up is that you can't game the system. You can't, you know, you just can't. And I don't know, I, I like how he focuses on just like regular people. And I mean, yeah, he writes about kings and everything. But like you said, he also writes about the underdogs and the people who experience different not that they're less important than what the royalty or you know in the case of like Kaladin the light eyes uh mm-hmm. experience uh in Dalinar but the idea that Brandon experience uh what's the word I'm looking for Brandon explores every single facet of the of the worlds that he's in and it just makes it so rich instead of getting bogged down in like the day-to-day stuff of like beggars and barmaids <clears throat> that's actually really interesting because that's what society is like built on. I don't know. I just, I really like mm-hmm. it. I'm so excited to keep reading. <laughs> Although my, my one grief with the Stormlight Archive is how many of the main point of view characters are light eyed. Like we do get Kaladin who is, you know, dark eyed, mm-hmm. but um, so many of the main characters are light eyed and, the dark-eyed characters don't get to influence the story as much unless they're chosen special magical people like Kaladin. Mm-hmm. And so I... That may be why Emily, book one, I'm like, yeah, Moash is going to be such a great character. So Emily... I um, was literally going to bring Moash up. <laughs> <laughs> because Kaladin... 
we are still, my sister made me view it, Stormlight Archives podcast. The thing is, is that like Kaladin is so separated from all of the Dark Eyes because of his education and how he was raised that he's not very connected with the people in his village. Like his best friend was the light-eyed noble girl. Mm -hmm. And he didn't get along with any of the other Dark Eyes. And now he sees himself as, like, he's the protector of Bridge Four, but he's not really, like, friends with Bridge Four. And Listen, this might sound stupid, but he's, he's like, he's like the governess, where you don't belong with the servants downstairs, but you don't belong with the family upstairs. <laughs> Just a lonely governess. <laughs> I guess he'd be a tutor in Amazing. his situation, but, but yeah, I... I also love the idea of like being stuck in between two yeah. places and, and where do you fit and oh Megan, mm-hmm. thank you for making me view the Cosmere, I guess. Vindicated. <laughs> um it's, yeah. It's interesting. So I think one thing that su- succeeds here with the despite the characters, a lot of the characters in Warbreaker being nobility, they mm-hmm. all are in heavily restricted environments, right? Vivenna and Siri mm-hmm. are both kind of fish out of water. And like, despite the fact that Siri is the queen, she's so she's basically a prisoner. She and she has to yeah. fight yeah. for everything that she gets, despite mm-hmm. her like title privilege or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has and, to be so sneaky about it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Light Song, similarly, he just doesn't have like the information he needs to to get by. Vasher, I think, actually has, he just sort of has a ton of power that he leaves on the table for mysterious reasons, but um, (laughs) he's not as much of a central protagonist, I guess. Okay, so question about Vasher and and everybody at the end. Maybe, I don't know if I missed something, but like, he was one of the original people from when the breath started, or he's just a very important character from that time period that has just lived since then he was basically everyone he's one of the five scholars he's okay he's calad who started the war and he's Mm -hmm. peace bringer or whatever who ended the war um it happened he's all all those people it happened so fast that like (laughs) i almost got whiplash i was like wait no it doesn't i mean yeah yeah i think what he says at the end is like people had such a hard time believing that i changed my mind that they just thought i was two different people which i love <laughs> which is very dalinar to me yeah right oh, that's so Where true. everyone's like no the black thorn i don't believe that you want peace <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, uh so emily i don't know where vasher came from okay do i Ted? do, you... do i I can't remember. I mean, so I don't, I'm definitely not as uh, up on words of Brandon and things or annotations and things as you are. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that he got returned at some point And then like the, we got the title thing that happens on the last page is like his equivalent of Light Song or Blush Weaver was uh, Warbreaker. And he's mm-hmm. kind of, he feels a little bit cynical about like, yeah, well, like, did, you know, did they know when I returned that I was going to do this? Like, uh, you know, I don't really believe that. But um, yeah. presumably, I don't have a sense that he had a ton of history before he met up with his scholar gang. Um, I'm assuming yeah. that the other scholars were also returned, but I don't know that for sure. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like the sort of weird science exposition that again it's like it's all super intriguing like 
um, biochroma and like blood ichor and all that stuff. But I feel like we don't yeah. we don't really get more than like little hints. And uh, I love when they're talking about during that science dump. Uh, he talks about a level four, a level four bio infused. Entity, I'm so sorry, biochromatic entity. <laughs> yes, a type four biochromatic entity, which is a sentient object made by awakening something inorganic like metal or stone. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, sorry, go ahead. I had a question. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. I was just going to be like, Emily, to awaken something, what do you need? Well, you need breath. Uh-huh. And then objects. And, then the... uh-huh. and like the will or the words or something. Okay. That's the Belgariad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, intent. That's, that's what, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you have to speak a command. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and so like. When you collect breath from somebody, that's technically a command because you're like, my life to yours, my breath become yours. That's like literally the command phrase to let it go. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Em, did you have a question? So does if Nightblood is awakened, but it's sentient, could it give its breath up to something else? <gasps> I love this theory so much. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't feel mm-hmm. that it, that Nightblood could understand the the ramifications of that, but I just wondered, like, technically, mm-hmm. is that something it would be able to do if it can think and say the words? Like, how much breath does it hold? Oh, wait, wait, wait! Even better, you said say the words. Could uh-huh. Nightblood bond with a Spren and become a <laughs> Night Radiant? A Nightblood Radiant. I love that. <clears throat> it could have its own shard sword. <laughs> okay so as part of the kickstarter one of the the perks that i'm getting is a little night blood letter opener <gasps> and so i like to imagine that that is the shard sword but, of night blood <laughs> i assume you open the letters with the scabbard right you can't take it you can't take yeah, the letter yeah, opener out the little... <laughs> it's too sharp uh emily do you know what command phrase was used to create Nightblood? Mm, I'm sure they said it, but it, listen, I read this three weeks ago. I don't remember. Destroy evil. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And it didn't like... It doesn't uh, know what evil is. Yes. Okay, my jaw was on the floor when when this, when Vasher like has this little reminiscence about how this went down. It's just, mm-hmm. it's so genius to have this like... Mm-hmm ill-intentioned science gone wrong thing it's like it's it's like i don't know it, it actually reminds me of like a a rogue ai or something like you you yes. give this like program where you're like it's so simple just destroy <laughs> ah, evil and nightblood perfect. is like i got it i'm gonna do it and then you see what happens and you're like oh no oh we we way <laughs> underestimated how bad this is gonna yeah. go it's 100 when an ai when they're like create peace and then <laughs> Ultron is like, so I'll kill all the humans and then exactly. everything will be peaceful. Exactly. But it's weird because he actually Nightblood, I don't understand what it is, but he does he does he's detecting something, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. he has this power of like temptation or something, and a lot of like guards who I don't think the random guards are like capital E evil, 
but they're temp night cab nightblood <laughs> is like sussing something out about them no no i mean that's fair that's fair but like it's a pretty strong statement on brandon's part but like and then vivana picks up nightblood and feels sick right so like there is something that nightblood is detecting but i don't know exactly if it's evil like i don't know what evil is to nightblood so my thought is that shashara's intent and so he was made by Shashara and her husband, this Vasher. They were married. Ugh. Someone was married to Vasher? <laughs> oh, my and God. Killed her. So not a great. Not a great. Not great. Yeah. <sighs> uh, like Kelsey, the more I learn about Vasher, the less I like it. <laughs> So is it what? Sh- okay, what's her name? Shish. Sh- oh, sorry. I I had a thought. I was gonna go. Finish. Go go, Emily, go go. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I interrupt nope, you. Go. Uh, so Shashara made this thing with intent, and I'm gonna guess that she equated evil to violence. Mm. And so someone who has used violence before in any capacity, like the guards, it's much easier for them to give into that temptation and do violence again because they've participated in harming or maybe even extinguishing someone else's life before mm-hmm. and Vivenna, who has by the end of the book not done a lot of violence but you know there's always the sequel um <laughs> maybe it would be more difficult for her next time she picks nightblood up that is 100 percent conjecture though and that is not backed up by anything in the book that so i was is wondering yeah is it yeah because if it's nightblood is going off of the the um command he was given or it, I guess. Um, is it? Yeah, like you said. Is it, Megan? You pretty much said what I was gonna say. Is it the the woman's version of evil, or is it Nightblood sensing something else? Like if you put Nightblood on a different planet, would the evil there be different than than the evil in you know? Is the evil different on a different planet? Like, okay, here's my question. If you give it to Seth, yes, Seth has done bad things. But I think it's because he's being compelled to do bad things. So therefore, would Seth fall to Nightblood's influence? Okay, that is Emily. Real fast. I want you to tell me if Dalinar, Kaladin... Or Seth picked up Nightblood. What do you think the different their different oh. reactions would be? I okay. Here's the thing. As much as I love Dalinar, oh, I don't know. Like, okay, I'm gonna go on a quick tangent, but I'm gonna circle back okay. around. Um, so I don't know if you guys have watched Moon Knight, the Marvel show. I'm just gonna say something that happens in the very first episode, <clears throat> and kind of sets up the bad the bad guy or whatever. Uh, bad guy is. Uh, like a disciple of one of the Egyptian gods and if you want to join you have to be judged and if you're judged to be good then you can stay if you're judged to have done something bad or will do something bad you instantly die and so he has all these followers and this at one point this old woman comes up and is like she believes in the cause she's there for the cause she's ready to do this she is judged and he's like I'm so sorry uh, you are not worthy. And she's like, I've never done anything wrong in my life. He's like, but maybe you will. And then she dies. So like. Very minority. Report. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, so when I'm, I'm bringing this back to Dalinar and that the mm-hmm. 
old Dalinar before he discovered the codes, I think 100% would have fallen to Nightblood's influence. But now that he's really trying hard, I don't think he would. But does Nightblood not care about that? Is it if you've ever done something bad in your life, ever you fall prey to his influence? Uh, what is evil? The sword doesn't know. Okay, well, so jumping back to what you said about Seth, Seth thinks that what he's doing, like, obviously the killing is wrong, mm-hmm. but he's doing it uh, because of his oath stone. So technically he's doing what's right by following the commands of people. Mm-hmm. But like, that's, is that evil? It, but it depends, because, right, Hoyt has that story in Way of Kings about the, the <laughs> island and the king in the tower, right? Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Which is, so it's sort of, if you're following, if you think you're following the authority, but it turns out you were free to choose the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, so my theory, I, I, I actually commented about this to Meg, so I won't say any more, but at the time, the analogy I made is that in Roshard, there's like this thing, the thrill, that like yeah. almost afflicts Dalinar. It's, like a, it's almost like a real thing that happens. And then mm-hmm. you kind of see him wrestling with it in Way of Kings a little bit. And I feel like that's the equivalent of what Nightblood detects is like, ah, do you oh, like, are you yeah. getting into the thrill of violence or whatever? Like maybe that's some kind of thing that transcends worlds. And yeah. it's true that some people have it and some people don't. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know if that theory has legs beyond the, beyond this book, but there's something going uh, on. There. I think before he had still, Maybe Kaladin would fall to Nightblood. Mm. I think he would, especially after uh, some guy named Tiern's death. I think that would have <laughs> happened. Uh, and, sorry for being sexist, what would Yasna, Shalon, and Navani do if they came upon Nightblood? Ugh. I almost feel like... Listen, I love Navani, but I almost feel like she might just because of the life she's had to lead as a queen. I don't know much about it, but I would think that like, you would have to do some pretty, not even terrible, but, like, Yasna and Navani would, because, like, Yasna, uh, I don't know. Like, I want to say yes, they would have, but I don't want to think that about them. But, like, we also, there's a big mystery about Shalon. She said she killed her father. Did she kill her father? Was it self-defense? Like, I don't know. Did Shalon use Nightblood to <laughs> no, kill her <laughs> I think that I think that Shalon and Nightblood would have a, a lot in common that they could talk about. But I think if I they if they that. hung out, it would be really bad for everybody else. Yeah. I think yeah. that Yasna and Navani would take one look at Nightblood and be like, oh my god, we have to <laughs> figure out how to use this thing or destroy it immediately. Yeah. I think they would... Navani's like, how do we Fabriel this? Yes, I think Navani would use it for her own purposes. So what you said, though, is it's sort of canon that that, um, this, like, Nightblood is kind of a sentient Fabriel. It's kind of like, like, there's something, like, like, that Nightblood was intentionally created in the way that, like, Roshar people are trying to, like, create these objects that do stuff. Well, yeah, is a, uh, so Emily, we know from Wave Kings that Navani is trying to create shard blades and has been unsuccessful. And Adolin's And here really we have an example of a yeah. failed shard blade. Mm-hmm. Um, shard blades do have a gem in the pommel 
So I guess that technically makes them Fabrials. And we don't have in like in um in okay, so in Elantris we have the little the little glow balls. Mm-hmm. The AR, right? Yeah. So those are those aren't created by people though, are they? They just like exist. They are not. They just exist. And then in Mistborn world, we don't have anything. We don't have any technology equivalent. Um, uh, but we do have mist that does stuff. There is the there is the weird mist. Yeah. That and. Oh, and they they do start Ted, to figure I'm out. Message you. They do start to figure out technology <laughs> in the in the Wax and Wayne books. I sort of forgot about that. Yeah. Yes. Although. Uh, Harmony, the the god that speaks to them in the Wax and Wayne books, is really freaked out because Harmony is like, you should be much more technologically advanced. I've been too soft on you as a god, and I've given you too much, and now you aren't progressing. And it's like, I mean, um, Harmony. Hey, Harmony, sometimes it doesn't always have to be scary. Sometimes it could just be an expression of ourselves. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm messaging Ted something because he's really close to something that's true. Okay, okay. Okay, triple checking. It's just in Ted's chat and not the group <laughs> chat. Sorry, we're having a little Cosmere corner <laughs> time. All right, we can wrap it up. <clears throat> Thank you for clarifying, okay. Meg. Okay, yes. So, uh, Ted, friend of the pod, we're not done yet, but um, we'll definitely have to have you back on maybe uh, in between Words of Radiance and Oathbringer when I'm going to force Emily to read the Arts Arcana. No, I like... just let her read. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, again, this isn't about my sister lets me do whatever I want. The you 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 have to read the Emperor's Soul. I don't know if you if that's one that you've read, but it's the Elantris no, side story, and it's the best Jane, one. Jane has talked to me about it several times, and I I that's on my list of things. And to you're a writer, so you'll have you'll have lots of feelings about it. It's perfect. It's so good. Oh, perfect! I'm excited. So my hope is we can do the same sort of meeting again and where we talk about each of the novellas or short stories inside the Ars Arcanum book. Perfect. Yeah. Those are also like some of those worlds are super fun, but it's like, again, it's like interlude. It's so fun to drop into a world and like see all of Brandon Sanderson's creative energies going on. (laughs) Yeah. Emily, what do you know about shadows for silence in the forests of hell? Zero. Great. (laughs) This is going to be so fun. All right, anyway, back to... It's the horror planet. Yay! <laughs> so we, we've talked a little bit about the Returned. Um, I wasn't uh, impressed with Blushweaver. I'll just... The first time I read it, I was like, great. Of course, we have to have a sexy girl in a fantasy story. I get it. Uh, but she was, like, politically into it, which I appreciated. But at the same time, I'm like, well, here's our booby quotient yeah <laughs> and she like is damsel in distress slut shaming siri yeah. and then she just gets fridged at the end for light song story so disappointing yeah 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 yep disappointed as a booby person myself i like to think <laughs> that i have more to give in a fantasy world <laughs> than just my dick on a <laughs> 
Um, but let's talk about Denth and his band of merry men. So Denth and his cronies. Did you so see this as, coming, Emily? I I did no, not. I was floored. I did not. And the the thing was is Megan knew that I'd read half of the book. And when she she brought up the idea of reading a uh, Warbreaker between, she was like, "So, um, do you remember where you stopped?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I stopped at the point where Vivian Viviana realizes she's a prisoner." And Meg was so disappointed that I already knew that plot point. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, it must have been but fun to I see all the ex- foreshadowing the second time yes, around. Going back, and I was just like. Oh, Brandon, you're amazing. Uh, I can tell you a great story about my agent, Kit. Kit was reading this book because they were really interested in, I was I was getting them into the Cosmere, and they said that they would read Warbreaker. And I saw them at a party, and I was like, hey, where are you in the book? Because, you know, they'd been messaging me uh, as they were reading. And they're like, oh, uh, the, the Vasher guy just took Vivenna. And I was like, uh-huh. What do you think's going to happen? Like, I don't know. I, I hope they get back to everybody else. I'll, I'll pick it up. I'm a little busy this week. And I'm like, okay. Knowing that they were like literally 19 pages <laughs> from the Denth reveal. And I just had to conceal it. Don't feel it. Every time we, like, we had a couple meetings and I'd be like, oh, have you read any more Warbreaker? And Kit's like, oh, do you know what? No, I haven't picked it up yet. I was like, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> And they finally did read it. They're like, how? How could you not have told me to keep reading? <laughs> I'm like, I didn't, I didn't want you to know. <laughs> this floored me the first time I read it. Because I loved Denth. I'm like, he's Han Solo. He's the lovable rogue. Exactly. And Brandon yeah, knew yeah. that. I, okay, so that I didn't see coming. But the other part that I absolutely loved is when um, Vivenna has figured out Claude's words and uses mm. that to escape. And and everyone's like, you let her hear it? Like, everyone knew not to do that. But I just, I loved this plot point of, of her finally, like, putting two and two together and realizing this is the only way it's going to happen. And that was one of my favorite parts of the whole book is when she outsmarts them who've been outsmarting her the whole time. Yeah. And that whole sequence where she's like in the basement and she finds out her friend is dead and he has mm-hmm. his like stupid green hat and it's really sad and like yeah. Tonk Foz. Like it, it's that that's really good. That's a great yeah. highlight of the book. Yeah, where they think yeah. I, I love there's a lot of things I love, but I love people being underestimated and then you know, everyone thinks they underestimate me and then they're like, Boo <laughs> you know. <laughs> um I just the idea of overcoming your captors through their own hubris is just delicious to me. I just, I just love it. The thing that I don't like about Denth is that his real name is Vera Trelides, and there's also a character called Trelides, and I'm mad oh, at Brandon oh. for doing that to us. I was, I was like, is this the same person? Is this like a Russian novel where everyone has nine different names? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it basically is. <laughs> Ugh. I'm glad you brought that up, Ted, because that was a question I had had, and I would have been sad had I not had the answer to that. Uh, Emily, who was Claude before he was... Oh, sorry, who was their uh, awake... No, not awake. Lifeless. Who was their zombie? Who was their lifeless? It was Claude, wasn't it? 
Yeah. Uh, where did they get the body? Oh, listen, I know they told us, but I don't remember. Was it one of their original friends or was it just a random body? It was one of Jewel's friends. That's okay. Okay. That's what it was. Like she, well, no, it, it was one of their original five, wasn't it? I think it's Arsteel. That's what I thought. Yeah, like it was like it's an Arsteel. original. Yeah. And Jewel was in love with him while he was alive. And so that's why she's the <clears throat> one who's got him awakened. Wait, does that mean Even Jewel is also returned? No, I think she was just hanging out with Dents and Arsteel before. Oh, because Arsteel also lived. Right, right, right. They all lived a while. That makes sense. Except mm-hmm. for maybe Shishara. Uh, Emily, I think you and I have talked about immortals falling in love with mortals. Mm-hmm. But Ted, what is your opinion ethically about <laughs> immortals and immortals dating? Oh, I mean, there are just like lots of weird... Um, Lots of weird issues involved. Like, um, uh, I've been watching Buffy in detail for the first time with Jenny. Mm -hmm. Uh Um, And so we're in, like, season five now. And so spoilers for end of season three of Buffy, which is worth, that was probably the best season. Definitely worth watching if you haven't yet, even today. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing where, like, um, Angel tries to have his cake and eat it too, where he's like, oh, I've lived so long and I love you and you're so perfect, but also you're like too young to like make your own choices and stuff. He can't have it both ways. It's either like yeah. A gr- yeah. like a gross that he's exploiting her because he has so much more experience or he has to like own what he is doing and how messed up that situation is. So mm-hmm. yeah. I don't want to say it's completely unworkable because fan- in fantasy worlds, things are different from our world. Um, but yeah. Most most times it's uh it's pretty it can be pretty messed up. For me, I don't mind it because it's definitely fictional. Yeah, there exactly, exactly. That I think Im- goes along. Yeah, way. there aren't immortal people in real life, to my knowledge. I mean, none of them have flirted with me. So how do you know? Um, so like it's why Buffy and Angel is less weird to me than Buffy and Giles. Yes. Like, yeah. I don't like that at all. Because that's completely, it's completely different. A teacher and a vampire are very different beings. So I don't mind the age difference between Siri and Sisebron. Um, because he's an okay. immortal, magical Can I just, quick king. tangent. Is that the canonical yeah. pronunciation? Because I... I don't think so. I think it's Susebron. Okay, because I definitely think of it as like Susaphone, like Susebron, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sue Sebrin also works. <clears throat> I don't. Uh, what I like is that Brandon is not pedantic about pronunciation. Nice. Uh, did I tell Evelyn? I think I told you. But yes, we've been Ted... pronouncing Adeline wrong. No, no, we haven't. I it's not Adeline. I refuse. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I was at a convention once and someone started talking about Hoed and I was like, whomst? And they're like, Hoed, the guy that shows up in all of the books. Hoed? And I'm like, Hoed? <laughs> because, because. Well, that's the Elantris way to pronounce his name. Yeah, yeah. she had read Elantris first, and it's uh, a syllabic pronunciative language. Yeah. So it's Ho and then Id. And so she's like, yeah, Hoed. And I'm like, no, it. <laughs> Do not like that. That's, that's truly so, delightful. Yeah, I let I let people say what they want. Well, I mean, 
I know who they're talking about. Technically, Kelsier should be pronounced Kelsier because it's French. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that. I I feel like ending his name with yay is like against everything that he stands for. (laughs) Kelsier! Um... But I think one of the things that Brandon does well with um, Siri and Susabren is that he is also very childlike because he's been so yeah. he's been so kept, and so the despite the and they're both prisoners in their their thing. So like, even though there is power, a power dynamic um, present the whole time, and at the end he becomes, you know, full full super powerful immortal guy anyway but like mm-hmm. at least while they are like in falling in love and it's it's very fun <laughs> and interesting um, and i feel like they they're have more equals the, yeah i feel like they have mm-hmm. the same journey too like she gets to teach him stuff there usually there's a like you said a huge power imbalance where one knows more than the other but i love that um siri is the one teaching susabron and bringing like almost bringing them to a more equal level playing field yeah who is a sucker for the teach me to read trope? Me. It's, me. <clears throat> it's like it's you get literally opening up a whole new world. It's an epistolary novel, but they're in the same room. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I oh. so this is actually like I'm trying to think this might be the best romance in a Sanderson book. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some good bit at, at the very least. It's the only romance that's like has such a prominent sort of like plot standing um and i thought he did it he did a great job and like he's not a writer who's gonna i don't know um yeah he's not he's always gonna be a fade to black sex scene kind of writer but i felt like i felt like the whole thing was still pretty effective although now that you bring that up this book has a lot more uh talk about sex and actual nudity than any of the other cosmere books yeah well it's so it's Um, really like affecting the like poor teen girl thrown naked before this guy expecting to be raped like it's it's a super intense like I, i'm really glad he doesn't go there and make it worse mm-hmm, for her but mm-hmm. that that's a really hard thing to i don't know imagine for siri and you sort of yeah. that dread is so palpable mm-hmm. yeah i i actually really like it yeah. because like you said he is he is a fade to black sort of guy when it comes uh to actual in, like to full physical intimacy um but i I really love Siri's story. Yeah. And I got such a huge kick out because, you know, I was her age when I first read the book. Um, so I bonded with her like super hard. It's like how I was um, Shalon's age the first time I read Way of Kings. Mm-hmm. And now I'm Yasna's age. And I'm like, Shalon just needs to call me. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I love the scene where she's faking having sex to fool the priests listening in behind the door. Yeah. 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 And then she gets to sleep in the big bed. And I was like, do you know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a great, great way, too, because she spends all that time being scared. And then we get to see her characterization of, like, this is stupid. And, like, she gets to be herself rather than, like, hiding. I love that we get to see her characterization come out so strong of, like, well, mm-hmm. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do because what else is there to do, you know? I love, okay, can we talk more about Siri living in the palace? Yes. And like <clears throat> just the visuals of that where she's like, where do I sleep? And they're like, are you tired? 
and they just bring in a whole bedroom's worth of furniture mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. And she's like, but where's my room? And they're like, they're all your room. Ugh. But also, I would hate that. Like, as a, like, when I, when I need to be an introvert and I'm like, I'm going to go and be in my room and close the door and, like, have a little safe space. Like, mm-hmm. the idea that. And, like, that's a thing that I think I don't really appreciate when I read stories about, like, princes and stuff who have, like, you know, servants milling about. It's like, you're never alone, right? There are always people yeah. there. They watch mm-hmm. you sleep. They help you get dressed. They feed you. It's like, like, that, emotionally, that would be so hard to take. And this palace is such a good, bare-bones version of that essential idea. Mm-hmm. That, like, she could have anything she could ever want or ask for, but she doesn't own yeah like it can be brought in and taken away at a whim Mm -hmm. um and i love when she starts insisting that she gets to wear dresses more than once or that the ones that she sees she's like no i want to see them twice just because i don't want them today doesn't mean i can never have them because i'm like i can't believe they're making her a completely new wardrobe every single day (laughs) and then just like burning it when she doesn't use it so are they doing that or is it that susa bronze like switching the colors of everything and she doesn't realize it no i sorry when they're when they're dressing her and they bring in all these gowns for her to choose from oh it's a one and done yeah 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 okay yeah like let's say they bring her 10 gowns and she picks gown number two the rest of them are taken away and burned because they weren't good enough for the queen to choose and so a couple days or maybe even weeks into it she's like hey no like actually just because I'm not picking it today doesn't mean I can never pick it. You don't have to destroy it just because I don't choose it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emily, this reminds me a lot of the happiness tapes. <laughs> with the So Ted, we had a series of tapes we would listen to in car rides. And each of them was like a different story. I don't want to say virtue, but it's That's like this tape it is about honesty. This tape is about self-esteem. This tape is about obedience. This tape and one tape was about happiness, and they're each a completely different story. So it's like an anthology, and they're each themed after one of these little kid aspects you should learn about yourself. And they all had songs, and I still remember all the songs, <laughs> and I still remember some of the weird voices, like the the self-esteem one had a song about not getting embarrassed after you made a mistake, but there was, like, a bunch of monkeys singing yeah. it. It's like, oh, I'm so I'm embarrassed. So embarrassed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> shorten this up. The happiness tape was about a princess who's crying, and her father, named King Daddy, <laughs> um, so her father, King Daddy, is like, why are you crying? And she's like, I don't know. I'm just not happy. Maybe if I had more dresses i'd be happy and so they send the nursemaid to climb the steps of this tower to a wizard to get something to make the princess happy and he sends her back with a dress that can change into any dress you can imagine or describe and i remember as a kid just like sitting and listening to her being like it's rainbow and it has lace on the sleeves and da, 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 da. and emily you used to design dresses ball gowns uh-huh. all the time when we were kids yeah. on ms paint yes. do you still have any of those no i don't well unless unless they somehow got transferred to like from one family computer to the next i don't think yeah. i have those anyway ted wouldn't you know it after a few days the princess is crying and sad of again course. and king daddy is like i don't understand it i gave her like literally every dress in the world and so he asks her again she's like maybe if i had toys we send the nursemaid back up. She comes back with a treasure chest that's 
literally any toy you can ask for, the treasure chest makes it for you. And wouldn't you know it, after a couple days, the princess is crying again. And King Daddy is at his wit's end um, until they realize what she needs. And they invite all the children from the village in. And she starts giving toys away. And that's what makes her happy, is creating other people happy. Oh. And there you go. There's that little short story. But um, I think about Siri a lot when she's trying on all these extravagant dresses. You guys can see a drawing I have in the back of my office. Mm-hmm. That's Siri in her gold dress mm-hmm. that I drew. And I just like the drawing so much. I, yes, printed my own artwork <laughs> out and hung it up in my office. Because I love that gold dress. Yeah. I you, you, you should post that with uh, your associated podcast things when this goes up because I I do not have a particularly rich visual imagination when I read. I'm like, I'm uh, very into the, the like words and sounds. And so I, I never bother to form a super clear picture of all the Mm -hmm. things. So I loved being able to see in such detail, like the stuff that they're wearing, especially because Hallandrin is such a like out there place. So, Mm -hmm. um, Something that's interesting about Idris, this is from the the annotations. So, like, the Idrins are trying to make their city colorless Mm -hmm. because of their super... um, And Brandon says it's more superstition than effectiveness. Um, So they all dress in very drab colors. They dress in darks and grays and, you know, browns. But the problem with that is black is one of the most powerful colors to use for fueling awakening because it's every single color on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. But the Idrians don't even consider black as a color and their browns and tans would also work for awakening because you've got if you've ever watched paint mixing videos on tiktok (laughs) um, you've got reds and yellows and even a little bits of blues to create your different tones of brown one thing that i love though is the like uh just related to this because i think vasher also he tries to be sneaky because i guess if you wear bright colors <laughs> or like you wear a scarf that's obviously half gray then people are like oh it's an awakener right um yeah. <laughs> but the, the idea that he's like this you know he's dragging around his scary sword and he's all bedraggled and like that's how he sees himself he sees himself as this run down grizzled you know like guy but he's like hiding these like red clown scarves inside his pants and like he just keeps pulling them out to do his magic it makes him seem like such a stupid like you know regional magician um would you like to see some magic? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't remember what part it is, but it's it's the the person talking in the scene. They're in a crowd, and they're realizing that like there's no way to stand out in this crowd because everyone's trying to stand out and trying to do trying to be like with the with the fashion or whatever. And and the person that's there is not. I think it might be Vivienna. Uh, and she's dressed very, uh, I'm going to say calmly. That's not the word I'm looking for, but very plainly. But Austerely. Austerely. But because she is dressed that way, she's different from everyone else, so she stands out. And she realizes, like, it's impossible. It's impossible to not, <clears throat> you know. Mm-hmm. To stand out <laughs> above the crowd. Uh, and even so, she gets like she gets targeted later by the mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. people who are like, "Well, yeah, your hair's changing color. Obviously, I'm gonna take you for everything you've got." Yeah, um, yeah. Can 
we talk about the magic hair? Yes. yes. The locks of, what do they call it? The royal locks. Okay, so yeah. on the reread, so what um, Vasher says, I think it's because they are descended from a returned. Mm-hmm. Did we ever get more answers about that? Because as far as I'm aware, the returned don't, it's actually, that's like Blush I... Weaver is like, we can't have kids, so let's have lots of sex, right? Like, isn't that the whole no, idea? No. Not just a returned, they are descended from one of the god kings mm, who mm, is able to procreate. Right. And we don't know why. Um, we don't know why. Interesting. They're okay, that's what it is. Special boy. So they are of literally the Hollandron royal bloodline. Mm-hmm. There was, they just split off, you know, a, a long, long, long time <clears> ago. <throat> um, but I love that not only can they change color, but that they can grow it out as well. Um, yeah, when Siri's like, just cut it off. And they're like, what? And she's oh, like, come on, yeah. look. <laughs> it just keeps growing. Uh, and I love that there's like a cost to it that like, oh, she was really hungry after that. That like it's literally actually burning uh, calories in order <clears throat> yeah. to do this. Yeah, she's got a so magic calorie like, system. I think, without spoiling anything, Emily, I think you should pay attention to magical calories in the Cosmere going forward. There's a connection here. I don't know what it means, but... Now, Ted, don't lift the curtain early. I would never... I would never well, do that. You're just gonna slide that right in there and think. Yeah, no, it's good does. to it's good to cultivate a sense of mystery. Well, they. <laughs> I'm getting the sense that there's an inside joke that I am not a part of yet. What <laughs> would we do that to you? That doesn't sound very awesome of us. <laughs> uh, uh. Well, because we get a tiny bit of that in Way of Kings, at least, like, after Kaladin does, like, his, yeah, you know, his stuff where he's in shock or tired or exhausted. But I will I will put a pin in that and, and watch <clears throat> for that. Right, right. That's almost more like he's on, like, magic amphetamines. And then he's going through withdrawal. <laughs> but, yeah, it is similar. It is similar. Welcome to Magic Man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kaladin's Breaking Bad. He's got... I was, I was gonna say he's got two span reads instead of two phones but never mind he can't write he's a man <laughs> um, uh oh my gosh rewinding what were we talking oh yeah the magic hair. hair uh i also like to imagine that if you were very very good at it you could also change the texture to go from like straight to curly like manipulating the protein strands inside the hair itself mm-hmm. which i think would be cool See, okay, if listen, I'm going to bring up an animated I'm going to bring up my my old beef again with the idea that here's what Hoyd looks like, but also he could look like anybody. <laughs> <laughs> See, this would be make way more sense if if they were like uh-huh. if Hoyd could like like change his appearance like that at will. I've just Can he? He says he can. Can he? Is he a descendant of the royal house? <clears throat> He says it dyes his hair. And maybe there's other magic in the costume. Uh, Emily, Ted and I were talking about all the times that I've actually said spoilers on the podcast already. You did? In our Way of Kings <laughs> stuff? Yeah. Well, okay, here's the thing. Sometimes you will make jokes about the. I'm seeing this, and Ted, I won't do any spoilers for our flag means death. But, um... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm re-listening to some of our our ones that you've you've edited already, and you will de- uh-huh. you will deliberately say, 
oh, hopefully this doesn't happen or blah, 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 blah. And it's literally what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know what our listeners want and they want dramatic irony. Yes. Well. Can confirm. You you got it. Yep. Though if it makes you feel better, when I was reading back through messages with Meg when I was going through, she would do that to me as well. So <laughs> you're not the only do you one. Have any, do you have an example? Well, the one that you called out was something to do with the end of Words of Radiance. You thought mm-hmm. something was going to get revealed and it doesn't get revealed until Oathbringer. <laughs> she was telling me about, uh, you were using a euphemism, Megan, about like you think it involves at least four people. Oh yeah, and 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 I can't remember if it was something Ted that you wanted to have happen or something you didn't want to have happen, but it was a big thing, and I'm I can't wait to get there so I can know what it is and be in the know. I think Words of Radiance is my favorite in Stormlight so far. Yes. It's very good, and that scene is one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that Way of Kings. Okay, so here's how, here's how I stack it up. Way of Kings is the best standalone, like the best complete story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Words of Radiance has the best scenes. Yeah. Oathbringer has the biggest Sanderlanch, and Rhythm of War has the most emotional moments. That's, That's true. How it worked for me. And I am, listen, Emily, I am scared for book five. Oh, yeah. Right? I'm not just like looking forward to it, I am afraid to read book five because just some stuff happened in book four and i'm like oh no i love words of radiance and i'll try not to get you too hyped up about it emily but it it has i already am all of the people you know and love from the first book get to meet each other and have to interact more (laughs) and a lot the of times you get what you want, and then sometimes you don't, and it's super annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just the Everyone best kind of payoff. Everyone from book one is yeah. back. Everyone. So watch, watch out. out. <clears throat> All right. Oh, you guys. I just got a text from my aunt. Yep. Uh-huh. She lives in Vegas. She has an extra ticket for Donny Osmond's show tonight, and she wanted to know if I wanted. And I think I'm going to go. Go. So. That's awesome. All right. Meg, you're only four hours away. Uh, yes, but I have things to well, do. I do too, but I'm going to go anyway. <laughs> uh, right. My, my things to do have a Tuesday deadline, Ooh. and I have full plans for Sunday and Monday. Uh, my Sunday plans include going to Disneyland for the return of Fantasmic, my favorite nighttime <laughs> spectacular. Oh, now I just pictured all the Stormlight characters doing Fantasmic. <laughs> and that it's like Kaladin as Mickey Mouse. <laughs> da, 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 da. I guess technically it should be Hoyt as Dreams Mickey Mouse. Because he true. goes to all these different Disney worlds. <laughs> all right. Back to Warbreaker. Ahem. <clears throat> Warbri Ocker, if we were doing Elantris uh, <laughs> <laughs> pronunciations. So we've talked about the magic. We've talked about the cities. We've talked a bit about the characters themselves. Uh, and we've even branched out and gone further into the Cosmere. 
And now I'm going to ask you to rank these. I'm going to ask you to rank Warbreaker um, based on the other Brandon Sanderson books that you've read. Is that for me or Ted? Uh, Emily, I'm going to have you start. Okay, listen. It's a shorter as, list. <laughs> <laughs> as good as this was, there were still... I'm going to say I was disappointed. Not that I thought it was a bad book, but I felt like I was left wanting at the end and not in a good way. Um, and mm-hmm. so this would not be one of my favorite ones. Unless he writes a sequel and then I get my answers, this would be a good setup. But... Um, yeah, Way of Kings is definitely, definitely my favorite out of yeah. all the ones I've read so far. Yeah, I I will say waiting for the Warbreaker sequel has been the hardest part of being a Brandon Sanderson <laughs> fan because it's like, what happens to Vivetta and Nightblood? Like, where do they get to? And like, Vasher, does he ever, does he ever stop being does grumpy? Ever and like, yeah. We know the yeah. answer to that. <laughs> never. He's just Guarantee ever... he never changes. He's had over yeah. 300 years and he's still grumpy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Emily, do you remember... Sorry, this isn't a dig. Do you remember the writing in Mistborn enough to compare it to how Way of Kings and Warbreaker Um, Okay, here is what I remember. And again, this sounds like I hate everything, and I don't. It's just Warbreaker was so long, and I felt like not a lot happened in in the book. And I know that that's just how I felt about it. Um, I felt like Warbreaker took way too long to say things that could have been said and happened in a much shorter amount of time. Um. And so Elantris is still one of my, like, the very first one I read of Brandon's was Elantris. And like I said, I loved it so much. And I still remember, like, the surprise ending. And I just, I just really liked it. And so I had such a hard time getting through Mistborn that, Meg, when you were like, we're going to read a 10-book series that are Uh a minimum of a 1,000 pages each, I was really, like, worried. I was really worried because I'm just Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is going to be mistborn all over again even though really cool things happen in mistborn it's just it took forever <laughs> um and so i'm i'm excited to read like the emperor's soul because i've heard so many good things about that i can't remember your original question so i'm just talking <laughs> oh i was having you rank warbreaker amongst the cosmere oh, books so it'd be uh, right now it's it's still elantris and then way of kings and then probably Mistborn and Warbreaker. Okay. Uh, Ted, how about you? Great question. I've been thinking about it a little bit. I think, I mean, Emperor's Soul, I think, is the best, the best Mm -hmm. thing that I've read of his um, on pretty much every level. I think one of the things that, I mean, Brandon's plots are, are always good. The plot is actually one of the weaker elements in Warbreaker, but I mm-hmm. think where it shines for me is that the characters are all interesting, if not always likable, and some of the other, some of the other, especially in Mistborn, there are like characters that are just like super boring or uninteresting to me, um, and I feel like, yeah, I guess I would definitely say the Mistborn books, both eras hold my interest the least despite having a lot of super interesting lore um and you know fun like kelsey is a fun character 
I wouldn't say he has a lot of emotional depth. Um, <laughs> and we only get him for one book, and then Stormlight though has like even better character stuff than Warbreaker, yeah. and I think his his writing has evolved. Yeah, Elantris has like a really really good like twist ending. Like the ending of Elantris is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't feel strongly about the characters. They're all kind of like like the bad guy. I don't even remember his name. Hrathen? Is that his name? Yeah. He's sort of an interesting character, but yeah, I don't know. They, they're not not the most good. So I would say probably Emperor Soul, Stormlight, Warbreaker for, for the character stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like the novellas, it's hard to say in one novella other than Emperor Soul that any of those characters jumped out. Like what's his name? Sixth of the Dusk? Is that his name? Sixth? I think so, yeah kind of an interesting character but too soon to tell uh one of the things i really love about elantris is the structural setup that he really stuck to of having character a then character b then character c and like keeping that strict rotation while also keeping the plot Mm -hmm. flowing um and so i think elantris is a really excellent example of how constraints can boost creativity and i also think emperor's soul trying so hard to keep it as a short story follows that same line um i like the stormlight books i don't mind that they're thousands and thousands of pages i do feel the first mistborn trilogy really drags in book two because there's like there is plot happening there's like politics happening and all the stuff with vin and the other mistborn that shows up in book two um but they're not as fun as the first book. So my Cosmere rankings are the Stormlight books are just all up there. Um, and then the first Mistborn, then Warbreaker, Elantris, the other two Mistborns. And I don't even know where I'd put all the shorts and novellas. Emperor's Soul is like up there, but it's like on a different, a different scale, I guess. Uh... There's, oh my gosh, I second Mistborn. Okay, the second Mistborn era. I can't believe I didn't talk about the Wax and Wayne books. Ted, have you read Wax and Wayne? Yes. Wax is my favorite Cosmere character, and I hate <laughs> Wayne more than anyone else. <laughs> yeah, that Wayne is Wayne is really boring. I don't find his character so, interesting at all. So, but isn't Wax those... just Batman? Like, tell me, what's the? Listen, he's Batman, but who like actually feels his feelings <laughs> and the romance in Mistborn era two is my favorite love story because it is a slow burn and an unexpected pairing. I would say I, that's true. It's not as plot relevant as the one in Warbreaker, but I think that is the yeah. best romance. I, I do love so, <laughs> wax alone <laughs> ranks very high in my list of books, but because of the inclusion of Wayne, the books get ranked pretty low for me. <laughs> I hate Wayne so much. <sighs> he's like, he's like the very worst parts of Hoyt and Kelsey or somehow, but he's also stupid. <laughs> There's my controversial Cosmere. <laughs> Um, I mean, I know I put Warbreaker down at the bottom of the list. And like I said, it wasn't because the writing was bad or anything like that. I just, 
there were bits and pieces that I just felt got kind of brushed aside. Like, I almost would have liked to have seen the dad's reaction throughout the book as he's hearing about what's going on and what his daughter is doing. Oh, yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden, his his pride and joy is missing that he deliberately wanted to keep at home and she's gone and what is he going to do about it? And yeah. I actually, that that's actually a really good point because I was thinking that the 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 family dynamic of Vivenna and Siri and potentially their dad is like way underexplored. Mm-hmm. And like, it kind of, I feel it very strongly because I maybe just cause I feel like the two princesses are such strong characters, yeah. but we don't even see them interact before they get split up. Mm-hmm. Right. They're like never right. on screen until the last mm-hmm, page, mm-hmm. which is honestly pretty disappointing. It's like, um, I guess the thing that it makes me think about is like the, well, I guess it, part of the reason why, game of thrones is very compelling is because you get like the first quarter of game of thrones where all of the start kids are together Mm -hmm. and it's such a strong well-established family unit and then Mm -hmm. plot scatters them all to the winds and like you kind of keep reading because you're like well eventually Arya and sansa are going to see each other again and that's going to be a huge payoff Mm -hmm. and you know maybe if the books ever come out and george r R. martin figures out you know don't need to go into that, but I, but like I, I would have loved to see to have Siri and Vivenna establish each other as foils in the first chapter, mm-hmm. so that we could mm-hmm. see how much they've changed, their dynamic mm-hmm. has changed at the end, yeah. or see how their dad reacts to them differently, or yeah, any of that. I have the most foolish hope in existence. Uh, so Marjorie Tyrell, my favorite character, got killed off in the show, but it was just after the show ran out of book, and I am hoping against hope that the destruction of the sept is not in the books <laughs> because i am cheering for marjorie and no one else and if she leaves the books like she did in the show then i'm like well i have zero dragons in this race <laughs> right i'm trying to think so if i have any more go. questions for you guys oh wait i have a word of brandon about their daddy Actually. Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, as much, he's like, as much as he tried to couch it in the book that he's like, I'm doing this for political reasons, Dedalyn loves Vivenna more. When he says he sent Siri not because of personal preferences, he's being truthful as he sees things, but he's deluding himself. He's convinced himself he did it primarily because Vivenna's leadership is important to Idris and she can't be risked. That is important, true, but his love for Vivenna is the primary reason. Not that he's callous or hateful of Siri. He loves her, but Vivenna reminds him of his wife. And I also would like to see... Uh, more of their dad if this ever gets turned into a, a different permutation of a project. Hey, uh, we have all done a huge disservice. What? Because there is the very best character of all who is horribly tortured to death and murdered <laughs> by death. And uh, we just haven't mentioned him once and so i would i think we should have a moment of silence for what's his bucket carlin yeah i was gonna say can you remember his name i I can picture it it has a p at the beginning and there's an a in there but i don't know what parlin thank you 
skip. So, R.I.P. Parlin, you um, could have done more, <laughs> but uh, wow, I really was sad when you died and yeah. shocked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had a hat. He bought a hat to blend in. He was so dumb in the sweetest way possible. Uh, just adorable. He didn't deserve what he got. Can he come back as a returned? He didn't. So I was really expecting someone to die and be returned. It was so interesting that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I was like, that uh, That was like my number one theory through the whole book until the end. So probably, you know, when we get our, our sequel in 15 years (laughs) fingers crossed yep uh can anyone who dies on a different cosmere world be returned do you return to a different planet i mean it doesn't look like we they have so far but can you show up as a god on a different planet and yeah i don't know uh i think the answer (laughs) is yes um like definitively yes Mm -hmm. But it depends on what the value of as a returned is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, Emily. Mm-hmm. How is it decided if you're returned or not? Well, in this book, in this on this world, it's like if at least for for <laughs> Light Song, he's talking about uh, dying in a very uh, heroic and selfless way. Which I think is interesting is if if that is really the issue, if that's really what happens, and then um, you're brought back as a return and expected to do the same thing again by being selfless and giving up your breath, maybe they'll pick someone, since they've already done it before, would be willing to do it again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, who decides what is selfless yeah, who's the way that like how does Nightblood cuz Nightblood can't determine what is evil, what force in this universe is deciding what is good? Yeah, I I don't I don't think we really got into that. Like I don't think Susabron has anything to do with actually. it. Like <laughs> I, you know, yeah. he's he's shut out of so many things that I can't imagine unless he does it. No, he doesn't dream, does he? <clears throat> or does he dream? All of his dreams are a different world in the multiverse. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's a Doctor Strange reference. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Does Vasher have weird uh, dreams? That never came up. I don't think so. So, okay, I have a pitch for what's going on with Light Song, and I'll try and shave okay. off the Cosmere spoilers. Okay. But, so, I, when it comes to, like, time travel and stuff in stories. So I got the vibe that Light Song was like, well, I saw a vision of the future, and so I, I I, was brought back for this one destined moment. And I'm always, like, a little bored by that, if that ends up being kind of how it works, because it kind of takes the stakes out. If Light Song died, mm-hmm. and then he was like, oh, well, I'll be able to save the world if I go back, and then just wait, and then he does it. Like, it's kind of not interesting, because mm-hmm. we don't know it as we're reading it, but, like, then it's like, oh, well, a destiny, blah, blah, blah. Maybe everything was fated to be one way. The stakes aren't as high for me as a reader. Mm-hmm. So the way that I would like it to be is that he dies, he's, he's, he's crossed the threshold, and somehow he is able to see, like, maybe one possible future, 
And what he does is he's like, I'm going to be returned. I accept this duty. And he's kind of like, he gets to call his shot. So he's like, if I'm ever in this situation, I'll get my memories back and I'll be able to, you know, help in my one small way. And so like, maybe when you're returned, you get to decide like, here's what I'm trying to do. And, you know, Light Song was able to accomplish it. But obviously not every return has this destined fate because returned in Idris will just die because society doesn't help them out. And like yeah. Lush Weaver, I'm sure that her destiny was not to get all of the passwords and then get fridged for Light Song, right? Like I'm sure that she did not <laughs> yeah. see that future and then decide to be returned to make it happen, right? So like I feel like there's got to be some agency that's going on that, you know, allows them to to choose so it's not just like there's a puppet master who's like light song will do this and blush weaver will just die and then like all mother will do that mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. that's how i want it to be i don't have any evidence uh all right hoid he does show up sorry we touched on this a little bit emily what does hoid do in this book he is the storyteller that uh light song brings and he's confusing, like he always is. <laughs> what page is that on? Hold on, I want to find that scene. Uh, my pages are different from okay. your pages. <laughs> Let's see. She asks for a... She asks for a storyteller. Uh, yeah, Light Song summons the storyteller to tell Siri about the history of Halandrin. Mm -hmm. But again, I was really upset because everybody knows he's Hoyd. And I'm not in... Yeah, does he um, not care? Like, is 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 this place so unimportant that he can just go around calling himself Hoyd? Yeah, because and, like, I, no I feel like out. he's getting hunted in on Roshar. Right. And this one, he's just like, la, 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 la. Um. <clears throat> okay, this is Hoyd, Light Song said. Master storyteller. Oh, yep, elderly man, extraordinarily long white beard. <laughs> technically, <laughs> I was right. <laughs> I just gave you the wrong description in the book. <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. So he plays Emily, with magical sand. That's cool. He does. To to meta answer your question, he's using Hoyd here because Brandon was dropping hints. <laughs> I'm going to drop hints that there's a character named Hoyd that travels all around worlds. My name is Hoyd and I'm here to tell <laughs> you a story. So one of the things he talks about is uh, the flowers that they use. The Tears of Edgeley, um, and the these flowers are one of the things that ensure uh, that the dyes they use hold in their mm -hmm. cloth and doesn't wash out and dye all their other clothes when they put it in the washing machine. <laughs> Wait a second. Before. So is the is the awakening coming? Is it specifically flower dye or is it all color? No matter how it... It's all color. Okay. But I believe these flowers have a connection to the magic of the world. Yeah. Because that's a very cosmere thing. That's interesting. I just wonder, like, if Hoyd... Does Hoyd know the 
future and is he like i mean okay i don't i don't want to dive too deep or, or go off the rails too much but he's telling siri who's very integral to the story like giving uh-huh. her a history lesson does he know who she is and what she's supposed to do like is he making stuff happen is he the one that's like <laughs> so in kingdom hearts <laughs> and that's related to King- way of kings in kingdom hearts birth by sleep uh king mickey has something called the star shard that basically teleports him to wherever he's needed aka whenever story plot is happening (laughs) he just gets instantly yoinked Mm -hmm. there and we haven't gone too deep into it but it seems like hoid is just whenever something important enough in the cosmere is happening to be written down by brandon hoid can like just be there and i don't know i don't know what indicates something is being cosmeric relevant i don't know how he knows how to world hop that's not true but i'm not gonna tell you um but uh yeah emily Tell me what you think Hoyd is up to. Well, okay, so from context clues from The Way of Kings, it almost seems like he's going around and checking that everything is going according to plan and making sure people aren't messing stuff up. Um, But I don't know if he is the one behind the curtain making sure that everything goes according to plan or if he's just following someone's orders of go check this out. We need to make sure that this is happening on time in this place. So I don't want to say like definitively, like he's doing this or not, but I mean, he's obviously involved, but I almost feel like Brandon would be playing a big old joke on us. If Hoyd was like the final, instead of the final boss, the final good guy, like there would be someone above Hoyd giving him instructions to go into all of these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think. Sorry, I'm on I'm on Hoyd's copper mine page right now, and be, like Spoilers. my eyes my eyes keep getting a little bigger every once in a while, being like, "Oh crap, I forgot that." But all right, so yeah, Will. So the the conversation his role here is like to help her along into understanding how the whole god king inheritance thing works that's Mm -hmm. kind of like what he seems to be helping siri figure out Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like he's definitely pointing her in the right direction of stuff that she needs to know he likes to do this with storytelling we saw him tell kaladin a story in way of kings that ted brought up earlier about the people who lived on Mm -hmm. the island i does he write these uh, yeah, stories? I, is he telling them stories from other worlds? Like, uh, would you? Okay, so here's something mm-hmm. fun. So at the book launches of each book, Brandon usually likes to read a sample from the book that's mm-hmm. releasing. And in Rhythm of War, he decided in lieu of doing that, he actually read from an earlier version of a Hoyt backstory, which was oh. a lot of fun. And Interesting. 
it was, I don't remember it because this was November of 20. <clears throat> Sorry. A something. When did Rhythm of War <laughs> come out? Did it come out in 2020 or 2019? I, I think it came out in 2020. That's pro- yeah. Oh, no. It came out in 2020 because it was digital. Mm-hmm. That's why. Uh, so they did a digital only release. And he was trying to tell a story to, um, like, gather people to his side and, and go into a, a fight or something. And he wasn't good at it yet. Like, it was early enough that he's like, ah, if, you know, if I could say the right words, you could all go into this. And I, I don't listen. I'm so sorry. I only watched it once, and I was playing Ghost of Tsushima while I was watching it. <laughs> so as I'm trying to remember the Hoid story, I'm just getting, like, the Ghost of Tsushima mission I was playing instead. <laughs> They're all saved in the same file. Um, but, yeah, I I guess, Emily, I'm going to have to close this out with a Rafo. My okay. bad. All right. So I do want – here's my hot take on Brandon Sanderson's storytelling. The Hoid thing, <laughs> I kind of love it in principle but in execution it's like it's such a distraction like i love him as an easter egg but yeah because i'm not going to get that payoff for 20 years like I, it doesn't really matter whether or not he has an interesting backstory right now like what i care about is the characters in each story and i think the yeah like i do like the uh like we were talking about do you want to like date an immortal mm-hmm. but there's also like do you want to read about an immortal? Because it's like, there's sort of more interesting. It's like more fun when Brandon can hurt you by killing off a character. <laughs> Whereas like, if you know that all of your char- the characters are like functionally immortal or like hanging out with gods, like it does kind of um, leave a lot of doors open for those, you know, Gandalf style shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Okay, I've got a funny story about this. So I'm a patron of a different uh, podcast network called Unspoiled. And one of their patron-only podcasts, uh, two of the hosts are going through all of the Mistborn books. And they're in era two right now. And they finally don't like Wayne. And I'm like, I knew it. Vindicated. (laughs) Um, But the only Cosmere stuff that they've read so far are the Mistborn books. But they know about Hoyd because none of us shut up about him ever. (laughs) And during this scene, sorry, during a scene in the second Mistborn series, Hoyt is at a wedding and he comes and he gives the main character literally a piece of evidence they need to finish their uh, investigation or to further their investigation. And one of the hosts was so mad he's like yeah i know it's like you're watching a marvel movie and then oh yeah that's nick fury you better read 12 million comics and all these order things if you want to know everything about nick fury and how he knows to give this mcguffin to this person at this time and this guy was like so mad about it and he's like you know all this cosmere stuff i don't care about the cosmere i want to read this book and enjoy this book the next person that guy talks to at the wedding i liked her she was interesting. She asked fun questions. And then we all got to say on the Discord after, it's like, I'm so sorry to tell you, that was also a Cosmere character <laughs> showing up. <laughs> that's awesome. But um, Oh, I know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Now the books are getting to the point where they're not standalones like Warbreaker or Elantris. And the further we get into it, the more interconnected they are all going to be. But and interconnected by history is more interesting to me than like 
this mm-hmm. Hoid guy has been around for 10,000 years. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was yeah. saying, right? Like, okay, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, I just, I feel bad who are, for people who are just getting into it now without a sister to guide them on a podcast. <laughs> because it is a daunting read to jump into. Yeah, it is. Like, I, I never would have tackled Way of Kings myself. I never would have tackled any of this. Um, I do think it rewards the, like, Meg, you're very good at, like, asking questions to, as you, as you're, like, reading along. I feel like this was also a thing that you provided me with when I was (laughs) texting all of my feelings to you. But it's nice to have it, like, paced out a little more. Because I'm the type of reader, like, when I, once I get to the Sandra Lynch, I just read it all. And, you know, if I don't pause to actually talk about it with someone, it probably makes less of a lasting impact. <laughs> I, I almost made us, uh, I almost made us just do the whole Sandra Lanch in one podcast episode of <laughs> Way of Kings. And I was like, no. Uh, and so we're going to, in our words of radiance, I'm going to try and make our reading smaller so our discussions can be longer. But I also want Emily to be able to, like, get through the books. Because like you said, Ted, it took us a whole year to get through the book. And Emily is a fast mm-hmm. reader. She could knock out she could knock out a stormlight book in one to three days. I have mm-hmm. no doubt. The faster Which... you go, the longer the wait will be. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm trying to time. like That's ease true. off on that. I don't really want to know. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm feeling we are reaching a good conclusion to this podcast. Uh I am going to close out with If he... I don't know. I don't have any closing plans. Uh, let's see. No, I can do this. I can do this. Uh, so we started with what kind of the returned powers would you want? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to close out with a, a Cosmere question of, of all the magic that we've seen so far. Aeons, the metal system in Mistborn, uh, Awakenings, and the stuff with Stormlight. Which of the Cosmere powers would you like to have? Oh. Something, something from Way of Kings. I, I think that would be, I think that would be really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And I don't know a ton, a ton about all the stuff that goes on there, but like, I don't know, doing something like soul casting. I think that would be really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, I Unquestionably. Would want to be a Mistborn. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I that was it. I would want to be a Mistborn. Mm, why? uh lots of cool powers like cool specific powers uh that are things that i like i would like to have i mean push and pull on metal Mm -hmm. great you can fly uh extended senses uh an ability to roll a perfect 20 on all of (laughs) your uh charisma rolls i just uh i would like to be a mistborn that sounds fun i yeah, I feel like I would want the the Spren bond a little intimidating, mm-hmm. um, but the I like the it, it's like the closest thing to having a, a like golden compass style daemon or a familiar or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your powers are manifested in the form of a friend. Um, Ted, what's like. the name of that bond? What kind of a bond is that? That is not. <gasps> that is not. That was not apparent 
in the way that you provided that to me, Megan. It was. I'm not- actually on Emily's side. I feel like <laughs> it you. is very obvious in retrospect, but like it could be any, you know, like who knows? And like we don't, I still don't know what or who a Nahel is, you know, like it's that history has not been explained. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Listen, it turns out, Emily, you've been vindicated twice. One in my presentation of Hoyd, and two, my presentation of the nail Thank blonde. Uh, Ted, friend of the pod, thank you so much for coming aboard for our Warbreaker Super yeah. Special. This was so much fun. We- I loved getting a chance to revisit this book with y'all. It has been so fun to talk to someone who's like, Megan kind of did the same thing to you that she's doing to me, but (laughs) you didn't have any like restrictions. You could just dive right in. So Uh. we will have you back for at least Emperor Soul for certain. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it'd be fun to do a bunch of the Ars Arcanum in between. Uh, Emily, what do you know about what's in the Ars Arcanum book? Emily would love secret history. That would be also super fun. I know we talked about it at the end of Way of Kings, but that was just like an addendum piece of it. So I don't know much about the... Yeah. So the magical glossary in each book is called the Ars Mm -hmm. Arcanum. Um, But there's an actual published work that is all of these short stories and novellas in the Cosmere so far. So it has Mistborn Secret History. It has... Which was new for the Ars Arcanum. That was so exciting to read. Uh, it has Emperor's Soul, which was like a much earlier published work. And it has just like small little side short stories. Um, and it even takes one of the, and this is why we're waiting, it takes one of the interludes mm-hmm. from uh, Words mm-hmm. of Radiance and expands okay. on it. Right? Is that one in? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. <sighs> I feel like, if anything, this episode has shown how little of the Cosmere stuff I actually remember <laughs> at all times. I mean, it's well, the thing is, there's all there's also all this like additional Brandon is like, he just tells people stuff like at a random signing and then someone puts it on the yeah. internet and like that apparently is also canon. Like, you know, you just there's no way to know. I love that. Uh, I remember going to a signing with one of my friends and he had crafted a very specific question because he was trying to get a Rafo card, which Brandon used to hand out. If you could ask him a question that wasn't just like, what happens in the next book? But if you could ask him a lore or magic question that was specific enough he could not answer, he would award you with a signed Rafo card at... Uh, at the the signings this is back when they used to be hosted in the byu bookstore (laughs) and i don't remember what my friend's question was but he did get a card so congratulations that's awesome that's awesome that's awesome yeah but uh my question would be could light song i mean sorry could nightblood give away his breaths (gasps) would you attribute that that to me (laughs) yeah i'd be like oh do i'll ask him (laughs) of the writing that's right you tell him that you're like hey i know this isn't what this is about and i'm supposed to be a professional but could I, could I, <laughs> if he gives you a rafo card it is mine <laughs> rightfully belong i don't to think me. he does that anymore okay. <laughs> all right well this was so fun ted and megan thank you for coming together and and just this has been great this has been right. great uh emily mm-hmm. 
I want you to go over to your bookshelf right after this. You can take Words of Radiance. Off I have your it bookshelf. right next to me, actually, right okay. now. <laughs> so we're gonna go so Emily can read the prologue and chapter. What's our first reading? Prologue in the first Probably two chapters, something like that. Oh my gosh! Congratulations, Emily. You get to yes. read Words of Radiance. I've been waiting and so waiting good. and waiting and waiting. So. That's all we'll right. do. Okay, wait. I do want to say one thing to hype you I'm up. Ready. The Warbreaker stuff, I don't know if this has been made explicitly clear. The Warbreaker stuff is coming in Words of Radiance. It will pay off in this book. Yes! I will not say when or how. <laughs> there is an explicit reason you had to read Warbreaker before Words I of wonder, Radiance. Megan, I'm just telling you, the payoff will come. He's lying to you. <laughs> See, I know who's on my side. I know who's on my he side. He is blowing smoke. <laughs> Listen, Emily, there is no Warbreaker sequel. I want you to erase this book from your mind. Too late. <clears throat> okay. All right. Well, good luck to all of us as we spend another year going through Words of Radiance. Thank you to all of our listeners, both other friends of the pod, and all of you people who are quietly lurking in the shadows. I think our new book's resolution is to try and be better on social media, so... Go ahead at us at sis made me view it on Twitter. And Ted, where can people find you on the internet? Shouldst you wish to be found? Uh, please check out my podcast, Animorphology, yeah. where um, me and two of my friends, one who had read the books and one who had not read the books, went through the <laughs> whole uh, middle grade series, The Animorphs from the 90s. I love it. And I could talk about it for you know, over a hundred hours as evidenced by the podcast. <laughs> and listen, one of those, uh, one of those friends of his, you guys, she can name every single book by memory in order. And she does it on the podcast. And it's amazing. Uh, Emily, you know that that's a pre-recorded intro, right? She doesn't just No, do she that did. Every... She did on the very first. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're, I just I'm got it. I just got it. You were making fun of me. <laughs> Oh, mean. Maybe we'll finish putting up the Everworld episodes, although that series ended with a whimper, <laughs> not a bang. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Awesome. Can confidently say stay tuned. Ted's a little busy. Yeah. Ted, we will see so... you officially in a couple weeks, three, four weeks for your yeah. wedding. Congratulations. Remember, girls, we hide our flaws no, until after the after wedding. The wedding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy everyone Saturday. I'm getting ready to go take a road trip to Vegas to go see Donnie Osmond yeah, tonight. That sounds awesome. To Vegas. So, all right. I can't wait till this episode comes out. But uh, until then, like I said, I got a road trip. I got to get back to cleaning my apartment. Ted, what do you have to get back to? I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go see a musical that was canceled in spring. Out. Oops. You looked really excited, though. I'm going to go see a musical that I had tickets to in May of 2020 <sighs> that was rescheduled to today. Oh, um, okay. I'm so, going to guess. Is it Hades Town? No, it is. Um, is it the, Mean Girls? The ART production of 1776. Oh! With, I think some like gender bent casting and stuff. I think it's going to okay. be fun. That is fun. Very Hamilton of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. They didn't gender bend anyone in Hamilton. <laughs> I would have loved that. Yes. Please let me play King George. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm so short. It would be so funny. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy All your right. weekend, everybody. Happy Memorial Day. You too. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. We did it. The Warbreaker episode is finally here and gone. Thank you so much for tuning in to My Sister Made Me View It with special friend of the pod and honorary brother, Ted. Oh, that was great. That was so much fun. I can't wait till we finish Words of Radiance and have him back on. Well, if you want to hear more of Emily and I talking, watching, reading, all that stuff, on Tuesday, June the 28th, we will be back with our Our Flag Means Death episode four. And then the following Thursday, June the 30th, we'll have our next Roswell episode, and that'll be season two, episode three. And then another Flag Means Death the Tuesday after that, and then July 7th. It will finally be time for the first Words of Radiance episode. Ugh, the wait's been so long, but listen, y'all, I'm just doing this podcast to kill time until the fifth Stormlight book comes out, because otherwise it's just the waiting, the waiting, the waiting, and nothing else. Special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm, as our intro and outro. Michael, we love this song. We use it for literally everything. As we've just crossed the one-year anniversary of our show, we would like to ask you for a podcast birthday present, and that is, could you please ask one human person in your life to listen to our podcast? We'd really appreciate it. You don't even have to share all of them. You could just be like, you like pirates? Listen to Our Flag Means Death. You like gigantic fantasy books? Listen to the Cosmere feed. You like Roswell 1999? Well, we have the world's longest running Roswell 1999 podcast. We made it to Thursday. It's almost Friday. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend coming up. And if you don't, I hope you can still find something that makes you happy. I believe in you.